Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax William. I'm so emotional. We've made it to the end. I'm so sad that this is the last show we're going to be covering with fake moderate motorcyclists, motorcycle enthusiasts, <laughs> the Aces and Eights. It's been a long run of episodes this one but some of the content has been so diabolically bad it's been delightful to pod about yeah absolutely this is the 10th and final part of our aces and eights tna uh series of pods i'll say that again <laughs> this is the finale <laughs> the 10th and final episode of our tna aces and eights podcast series Today we are doing the big finale pay-per-view of TNA Lockdown 2013. It aired on the 10th of March 2013. Uh, it was obviously pay-per-view, this one. Uh, it says it's live, but I wonder whether this is up for debate because there's ads cut into this show. And there doesn't seem to be much time transition between some of these ads sometimes. It's a bit weird, no? Now, a quick one. Did you watch this on the Impact Plus app? I did. Impact Plus. Now, do you want to know a funny story? Go on. So, and, and not to suggest we do this, but were you also using my login details for this? I was definitely using it. my own login details, not yours, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason I say this is that um, after the first pay-per-view, and I realised we'd have a big run of it, I didn't want to pay an extra four nine or seven ninety nine for the other month, so I cancelled my subscription. And I went back earlier this week to renew my subscription to watch Lockdown, I pressed to play lockdown. I have full access still <laughs> to TNA Impact Plus. I'm not paying for it. So I've cancelled my subscription, yet I still have access to everything. They've sent me an email confirming that I've cancelled my subscription. No money is leaving <laughs> my bank account, yet I still have full access to Impact Plus. Ah, oh, you could take the Dixie out of the company, but <laughs> can't take the company out of Impact. You know what I mean? I don't know what I'm trying to say. Oh my God, no way! Cause it's been ten weeks, isn't it? Yep. I essentially, after we covered Genesis, I can't. And you watched it. I cancelled my subscription, and it was a month by month rolling. So I cancelled it. Oh no! I, way. I have not paid. Well, so essentially, unlike seventeen thousand idiots who paid for this on pay per view. Similar to WCW ticketing events, we got to watch it for free. <laughs> that is ridiculous. Oh, my God. Maybe someone at Impact Wrestling should look into this, you know? I'm just saying. Or, dear listener, if you want to watch shit content, just pay $4.99, cancel it pretty sharpish, and you're off to the races. Bloody hell. I'd love to hear from people. Uh, contact us at World of Rest Pod on Twitter. Let us know if this works for you. Go subscribe to Impact Plus, cancel it, and then see how long you have the access for. Because <laughs> I'm very intrigued now. Because this whether has been this three is months. Like a one-off, or whether the whole process is completely fucked. <laughs> Can you, know? you imagine? But as I said, so um, through research for this, obviously we watched this on Impact Plus in real time. This had seventeen thousand buys in 2013. Now, considering TNA had switched in 2013 back to the as they you know as we refer to in WWE as the big four model so they were only having uh, genesis lockdown slammiversary and bound for glory in a hope to really increase their buy rates so this did seventeen thousand buys do you want to have a rough guess of what the buy rate for lockdown 2012 was oh let's say twice as much 
17,000 buys. <laughs> right, okay. So consist- similar to the ratings on Spike, consistency is key. But, uh, as we'll get to, the attendance for this event actually broke the company's US, the, sorry, the North American attendance record for the company. Nice, because we are in San Antonio, Texas, a good wrestling town, obviously, at the Alodome with 6,700 people according to Cage Match Live. And it, it looks great, man. It looks like there's shit tons of people there. A paying, a paying crowd really added mm. to this. So we've mentioned earlier in the pod, which you can Well, to. I'm not sure how many of them actually paid. Well, well <laughs> There whoa. is a big crowd there, nonetheless. But similar to what we uh, said earlier in when he had the London and Manchester shows, which you can listen back in our archive at worldofwrestlingpodcast.com, um, having a full house, decent sized audience really helped the enjoyment of watching some wrestlers try and kill themselves during this show <laughs> in the ring with the effort they were putting yeah, in. Yeah. And in some people's instances, we'll get to, literally trying to kill themselves. Absolutely, dude. Um so yeah, so commentary again is Mike Tanay Taz on Todd Connolly. Connolly. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we've got a theme song for tonight. Did you see this or hear oh, this? I, I heard something and I, I thought, oh, they didn't bother using Jeff then. <laughs> Mate, okay, so it's OTEP. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I've not heard of OTEP since like, you know, 2001 maybe. <laughs> And the song is the most new metal, like, emo titled song ever. Seduce, destroy. <laughs> Hang on, that's the mantra I used when I met my wife. <laughs> uh, that, you're just the other way around, dude. Just, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, it was I tried to seduce and she destroyed my well-being, my bank balance and my free time. <laughs> Fucking A, dude. So, uh... Do you want to jump straight into the opening video package and stuff? Well, well, well before we get there, right. so obviously, if you have listened to me attempt to defend this storyline and the Aces and Eights faction uh, through this, and obviously some of this has been for the sake of Devil's Advocate, Rich, PWI yes, have a mm. wonderful, wonderful set of awards every year. Mm. Now. Okay. In 2012, so considering we're in 2013, 2012, they, you know, every year, PWI issue awards for Feud of the Year. So I'm going to run backwards on these Feuds of the Year in 2012. Third runner-up was the wonderful feud between Adam Pearce and Colt Cabana, which was very good for the NWA title. Very nice feud. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out on YouTube because a lot of stuff's there for it. No one cares. Second runner-up, <laughs> yeah. Punk's feud with Dragon in 2012. Good in-ring stuff. Yeah, Very nice. Right. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. The main runner-up, Brock versus Cena in 2012. Which, which, which was that the first WrestleMania or the second WrestleMania they had the match? That was the first WrestleMania they had the first the match. one's great. The first one's really fun. The second one, yeah, but yeah. But considering... The Rock versus John Cena, the year-long build for that Mania feud, finishes runner-up in PWI Feud of the Year, winner of 2012, Aces and Eights versus TNA. Bill Apt is a massive mark, what can I say? Well, I thought, crikey, this must have been well thought of. <laughs> so I then looked at the Wrestling Observer. and the wrestling I love ob- Bill Apt, just to throw it out there, I'm just kidding around. He seems like an amazing human being. The Wrestling Observer obviously has their 
worst gimmick award. Now, obviously, we're looking at 2013. Just so you know, in 2011, Michael Cole won the worst gimmick in 2011. About right, yeah. He should win it every year, almost. So, PWI Feud of the Year, Ace and Ace versus TNA. Uh, worst gimmick of the year in 2012, according to the Wrestling Observer, was Aces and Eights. <laughs> I mean, if you look at the PWI and the Observer, one's very much kayfabe markism, and one is serious wrestling journalists, you know what I mean? And I'm not the biggest Brian Alvarez fan, necessarily. But he's just very, very angry about wrestling and needs to lighten up sometimes, you know what I mean? It's, it's fine. It's I, I like listening to him talk. Um, and melts is melts, like, you know what I mean? Like, granddaddy melts or whatever. <laughs> You've got to love him. But at the same time, they have very specific things they want about pro wrestling. They're not exactly um, always open to an interpretation of it. But so, in terms of, like, logical respect for pro wrestling journalism, yeah, I know which corner I'm standing in, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Well, the good thing is, so obviously 2011, we had Michael Cole. 2012, we had Aces and Eights. You know, we're in 2013 now. Can you guess what gimmick was deemed worst uh, in 2013 in the year we're covering? Sorry, worst what? Gimmick. Worst gimmick in 2013. Didn't we just say it was Aces and Eights? No, because Michael Cole was 2011. Ace and Eights was 2012. All right. Worst gimmick. Um, Hogan? <laughs> Ace and eight again. <laughs> they won it two right. years in a row. <laughs> Sounds about right, yeah. So so that's where we've covered Ace and Eights. And now, again, another thing that you have quite rightly had uh, pent up rage over during this uh, this ten episode run. I, is... I have let it out on plenty of occasions. It's less pent up and more just rage. <laughs> but like, it was pent up as I was watching it. Well, considering that we've mentioned this and we're in twenty thirteen now, and impact TNA Global Force Wrestling is having a bit of an identity crisis. So it's called Impact Wrestling, as you've pointed out several times, but the belt is still the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. Mm. In 2012-2013, that's when they really started switching over to have uh, Impact Wrestling as their branding. So you'd think that at some point in 2013, they would start naming the titles like the Impact Wrestling Heavyweight Championship, which they did. They changed it to the Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship. But do you know how how long it took for them to rename their title, considering they're in 2013 and their show is called Impact Wrestling? I think it was after Dixie sold the company. I think it was years and years and years, wasn't it? I think it was still Callis took over. Correct. I mean, it was yeah. 8th of January 2017 at Impact Genesis that they renamed the title the Impact Wrestling World Heavyweight Championship. Four years of your main show not being branded as TNA, but the belt still is. It's like, yeah. are you surprised that they end up selling this when it was an absolute dog rock bottom? You know, like, I mean, uh, what stats? And as we've said, so Ace amazing. and Eights did start in June of 2012. We are now in March of 2013. We've had all the members uh, revealed. We've seen you know, the, the timeline of events that's happened. We had the vice president, a active management figure, announced on our last week's episode just to show you who it is. We've got champions. We've got American Pro Wrestling Alliance, the APWA tag team champions, Nux and Doc in this alliance. We have a TNA television champion, Devon, who never defends the belt on TV, a gut check <laughs> winner, Wes Briscoe. 
I mean, Devon barely has the belt with him. I've noticed that on occasion. He just doesn't bring the belt at all. He doesn't give a shit, does he? Doc is also the Rampage Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Champion this time. And Nux and Doc are the River City Jeez. Wrestling Championships at this time. Gallows is the best bit about this feud, to be honest. He's fucking hilarious every time. Gallows, Gallows performance tonight is the best. Outside of when they kidnapped Hogan and Brooke Hogan. And he was going, wah, wah, <laughs> wah, wah, look at your daddy, Brooke, look at your daddy. <laughs> so oh, funny. brilliant. And just to give you some of the rankings of N- uh, of NWO, no, this is nothing like NWO, but we'll get to an NWO comparison shortly. Yeah. Um, so in 2013, the year that this angle really took off, let me list down some of the PWI 500 rankings for some of these members. Garrett Bischoff was ranked 235. In the 2013 nice. PWI. Nux was ranked at 132. Briscoe Cito was ranked 101. How? <laughs> He's awful. Gallows was ranked 69 because Gallows. Yeah, buddy. Fapping <laughs> <laughs> away. Oh, nice. <laughs> Anderson of the Ken variety, not Machine Gun, was ranked at number 62. Personality, but in ring. God, he's boring, isn't he? Devon was ranked at number 32. How how could he possibly be the 32nd best wrestler in wrestling? Well, don't worry. In 2013, let me give you the countdown from 10 till 1. At number 10, Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens now. 9, Dolph Ziggler. 8, Bertie Del Jailbird, Del Rio. Jeff Hardy. Seamus at six. Akada at number five. Number four, Bully Ray. <laughs> number three, Tanahashi. You can stop there. Like, seriously, you can stop there. Like, anyone who puts Bully Ray is a better wrestler than Okada <laughs> could suck my fucking dick. I'm sorry. I'm just like, nope. Absolutely not. Never. Uh, not in a million fucking years. Or Billy Ray could have the best match of the fucking year over and over again. He's still not better than Okada. I'm sorry. It's just, no. Uh, and and then, it, so just to finish off a complete list, Tanahashi was at number three, Punk was at number two, and John Cena was at number one. Ba, 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 ba. You know, I've done a few edits for us to talk that include John Cena recently. Really not that bad. We just booked awfully. I mean, big match, John. Hmm. Like in the, the, the whole Cena wins lol era, the matches he has are fucking awesome. Like his main event with uh, Shawn Michaels at WrestleMania. Really good. Killer match. Really, really fun. Like him putting over the rock in the main event we talked about earlier. Really, really fucking good. Like he's had a few stinkers, the Miz and et cetera, et cetera. But like if he just, if they wouldn't just book him to win all the time during that period. God, it could have been so much better, but yeah, that's what it is. I mean, they could have White made Wade Barrett a star, couldn't they? Yeah, you said it with many people in that time as well, but whatever. But again, Should his match uh... with... Oh yeah, sorry, because I waxed lyrical about his match with Cesaro and his match with Stardust as well for the US title <laughs> stuff. But yeah, let's go on some um, non-wrestling. <laughs> so, we get our opening video package... Took out Hulk! Took out 
very well put together. I think you will agree. I mean, I especially liked where it went to black and white for scenes of aces and eights in it. Mm. Yeah. Who's, who's done that before? But I did notice something mm. interesting in this introduction. Why was it, again, it might just be bad editing, every time they showed TNA, they had it everything in full colour. Every time they showed Ace and Eights, it was black and white. But there seemed to be a lot of scenes where Bully Ray was in black and white, but there was no Aces and Eights <laughs> nearby. Interesting, I thought that. Hmm. For the last 10 weeks, I'd say the thing that has most rubbed me the wrong way about this series is telegraphing that Bubba is the leader. Like I know we've kind of talked about it a few times, but little things like you're talking about in this video package of just making it like that obvious. <laughs> it's like, I don't think you need to slap us around the face with it. And this is my biggest problem with this show in particular is that every little detail they just slap you around the face with in every match. It's not kind of subtle when they don't drop hints and build to it. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, oh he's in black and white. Is he a bad guy? And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we kind of know what's going to happen, dude. I love foreshadowing. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, so, as we talked about a little bit before we started this pod, every week I've read out Todd Kenley's introductions, but this week we're just going to splice it in. So, take it away, Todd. Welcome inside the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas. You are looking at the largest live crowd in TNA wrestling history. And they are Texas-sized fire net for lockdown. Hello, everyone. I'm Todd Kelly, along with the Professor Mike today, the human suplex machine Taz. The Alamo is synonymous with historic battles. And tonight, Taz, Team TNA goes to war with Aces and Eights inside Lethal Lockdown. <laughs> A war. Bottom line, Team TNA gets Aces and Eight tonight. Sting's crew gets dropped. What a dynamic human being, Tax. I think we can all agree he was very informative and direct and to the point. <laughs> so, uh, before we kick into the tonight's amazing finale, <laughs> there's ads during the matches. On pay-per-view. It's fucking ridiculous. I bet it was for Shop TNA. I bet it was for <laughs> Shop TNA. Because we're watching an Impact Plus, they've cut it out. So it just, a match starts, they do the opening sequence like you'd see on Impact or something. They go to a headlock or a chin lock on the ground or whatever. <laughs> you know, throw the person to the outside. One of those three spots. And then the cameras fade to black. They fade back up. They're standing in exactly the same position. And the match continues. <laughs> such a quick way to take you out of being interested in what's happening in the ring you know it seems maybe a bit too moany but it's just so weird who puts fucking ads in their matches on pay-per-view who puts ads in their main event in a cage match where you can't throw someone to the outside in the main event when it was bully and jeff hardy they were just walking around the ring and it just cut to black and it came back in and bullies attacking jeff hardy it's like what the fuck happened yeah yeah this doesn't just happen in one or two matches tonight. Listen, this happens every single match. It's... Uh, so, uh, other little production notes quickly. The, the stage looks really fucking good. Good. The uh, the the arena, should we call it, I guess? Yeah. Uh, I'd, yeah. Uh, I'd call it an arena to do it the justice of the six and a half thousand people in attendance. And yeah, the 17,000 watching at home. <laughs> Absolutely packed tonight. The crowd are a lot of fun. They're, they're not too forgiving, I would say. They're not like, you know, 
like the London crowd excited just because it's wrestling. You have to give them something to get excited about, but they're willing to play along, you know? They are there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and one of the things I did notice uh, in terms of like how they shot this show that was different, because the stage is kind of similar to the Impact show. It's got two screens either side of the ramp, and the ramp is the same one from London where it goes all the way to the ring, which I know you don't <laughs> like, but I quite like, whatever. Um, but they seem to either have a massive crane with a camera on the end, or I think is more likely a drone flying around getting these really impressive indoor sh- shots. Like they have these flybys and stuff. And if it is a drone, one of the things I kind of, this is what I do, I do production for a living, obviously, is that they they manage to have a drone in the building flying around, getting these amazing shots without picking up that really loud buzzing sound that drone, drones make on any of the mics. It's very impressive. Like, it's, yeah, something new for them as well. I could be, because again, this is definitely not my my bag, but I did see a lot of like high crane camera shots during the lockdown and the main yeah. event. Tons. So, but I, as in the actual, the, the actual physical camera, boom. So the yeah, physical yeah. camera arm in the air. So I don't, from my standpoint, I wouldn't but, think but there's, it's a drone. The, right, so I know what you're talking about. Yes, there is one of those. But like there's occasionally where the camera will go from the very back seat of the arena all the way down and up and above the ring and then kind of pan upwards. And you're like, a crane can't do that, dude. <laughs> like that's it's very impressive. Well, did you know similar to Delo then being the VP, this is how Vanguard One got booked in the uh, Matt Hardy sketches. <laughs> <laughs> it's that he was already there. They just included him in the show. Yeah, like I, I love it when they include management. <laughs> Vanguard One was actually Dixie's assistant because the pandas were on holiday. <laughs> So as much as I'm like, you know, saying the crowd are okay during the night of the show, when when we cut in live to the arena, SoCal Val is literally just like a ringside going, come on, everyone, and trying to clap and cheer and doing her very best to get them going. But the crowd are happy to attend the show, <laughs> but not exactly on fire. You know, they're not like, oh, this is the greatest thing ever. They're just, they're there, they're clapping, you know. This is the consolation prize to the, oh, we didn't get mania. Fuck, we've got lockdown. I suppose it'll do. Yeah, it does feel a bit like that. So, our opening match of the night is a TNA X Division title match. Now, if you've paid attention over the past 10 weeks, you would expect this match to be our new champion, Kenny King, versus the person who he lost to, what, three times? And eventually beat. In a sloppy-ass fucking match. RBD, right? This has got to be the rematch. Surely. I mean, we did see, a, although we did see last week on episode nine that Kenny King said it didn't matter. He'd take on people one-on-one, two-on-one, three-on-one, or what we call Brooke Hogan's Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, he, he opened the door for this. Um, and... What a surprise. Rob Van Dam walked down the... Oh, no. Rob Van Dam wasn't there. <laughs> so the match is Kenny King, our champion, versus Christian York, who hasn't been here for seven weeks, <laughs> and Zima Ion, who hasn't been here for, like, five weeks. I'm like, what the fuck? H- how is this the title match? <laughs> These guys aren't on TV. And we're having them open the pay-per-view. What the fuck? And they've both lost. <laughs> 
They haven't earned. They haven't <laughs> to this earned guy the opportunity. And to Rob Van Damme. <laughs> just like, what the fuck? What is this booking? And I was just like, I could not. I could not justify why this was a match apart from these are the only other two exhibition guys we've seen over the last 10 weeks that are well, Rob Van Damme or Kenny King. Christian York was on the first ever episode of TNA Impact. So that's he was. why he's, he's a veteran. He's a veteran, but he's new to the company. <laughs> it's like, what's your gimmick, mate? And um, and, and Zima Ion is also there because all these top talents have run out of dates on their contracts. So, <laughs> interestingly, after this show and after this match, the X Division was given brand new rules to go into okay. the future. Where was the it? X- we have to have talented wrestlers in the ring. <laughs> I'm joking. They're quite I mean, good. It was always X Division would have to be contested under triple threat rules, and the weight limit was 230. And that are you serious? I am deadly serious. After this match, the X Division was always contested under triple threat rules under a rule change for the X Division. <laughs> it's really fucking stupid. TNA. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I need to explain why, do I? You know, one-on-one, you can build a story in a feud. Three people, there's always the issue of you have two faces or you have two heels, right? Don't fuck logic. It's TNA. <laughs> but <laughs> it's not like the X Division's got heels and faces already anyway. So it's like, who gives a shit? Just have them kill each other and we won't, we'll pay them less than the main event is. It'll be fine. But Bischoff and Hogan are here. Sensible WCW mentality. Put the cruisers at 230 pounds or lower to open the show to give us a high flying, high octane match with no storyline. Because think back yeah. to ni- back to Nitro and think back to WCW pay per views. Most of the time, unless Malenko was involved or Jericho was involved, cruisers not very much featured as ongoing storylines. They were there to get the crowd going. They're one step away from Disco Inferno in their opening matches, aren't they? I I would never go as low as saying this match needed Disco Inferno and TNA <laughs> did not need Disco Inferno. There's a lot of levels. There's like New Japan levels, AEW levels. Then there's WWE. Then there's like our Ring of Honor and then Impact. Then there's Five Star and then there's Disco Inferno. <laughs> and then there's Progress. Harsh but fair, you know. So the match starts and these guys do some kind of video game star wrestling. And, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> how do we describe this? Well, friends, imagine you are opening the show. You're being told to do video game style wrestling. Christian York is outside the ring. Zima Ion is leaning through the middle rope, and Kenny King is standing on the hardest part of the ring. So, what Kenny King is doing, he's actually seen the running order of this show. He's also seen the booking of what's going to happen on this show. So Kenny King decides to do what any sensible professional wrestler in this organization would be to do. And he pretends that he's going to try and do a moonsault off the back of Zima Ion into a waiting Christian York. Dangerous when there's no murder clown waiting. Granted. Yeah, I I wouldn't rely on a Christian York personally. (laughs) Kenny King holds onto the top rope. He jumps up fantastic base on Zima Ion's back plants both feet looking to do the moonsault but then Kenny King forgets one essential thing to do in a moonsault to jump upwards and turn (laughs) kick your legs over what Kenny King did he embraces inner Rey Mysterio from when the NWO threw him into a cabin and just launched himself backwards 
head first into a guardrail <laughs> with Christian York just standing there going, what the fuck have you done? And Kenny King tried to murder himself on a live pay-per-view. My favourite bit, right, is where, you know when a guy does a moonsault, they kind of, there's the classic thing of like, if you're doing, I don't know, any sort of flip or a skateboard trick or something, as long as the first part of your body goes in the direction you want it to go, or like if you're shooting a basketball, you want to sh- flick your hand in that direction where you want it to go, you know what I mean? Kenny King goes to do the moonsault, throws his chin back, but his body goes, whoop, <laughs> horizontal, <laughs> rather than t- flipping. And so when he hits the guardrail, he's in like a scorpion position. <laughs> Just like, what the fuck? Ow! Ow! Oh my god, ow, he almost died. I, mate, I was immediately worried for his well-being, obviously. But just the way it happened, the way he jumped up on Disney Miles back perfectly, and his Benny, proper Benny Hill, like, <laughs> slipped out as he tried to do the flip. Oh, it was fucking brilliant, man. I could not stop laughing. I felt so sorry for the guy. This is the oh, thing. Oh, fucking hell. What a way to start the show, dude. This was the thing. As soon as I watched this, and as you said, it's that horrible thing of seeing a performer who could be very, very badly hurt. But, oh my god, I felt so awful for it, but I couldn't stop laughing. And then when they went and showed the... They, they showed replays of this. <laughs> like, four <laughs> times, slow-mo. They're just like, yeah, this is what we wanted. Death! <laughs> oh, Kenny King giving a new oh, means the word suicide god. dive. Jesus Christ. It's, I mean, it's like you think he bo- They botched the finish of Rob Van Damme, who won the belt. The next week, they just gave him the worst generic promo, like, backstage, 20 seconds, talk to the camera. They finally have him on pay-per-view as the champion opening. They give him Christian York and Zima Ion to wrestle. They've got no story. And he botches the first big spot. You're like, Jesus Christ, man. You've got to feel sorry for the guy. Because I think Kenny King's a very athletically gifted, talented wrestler. But he doesn't seem to know his character in the slightest bit. He's endlessly botching stuff and doesn't seem to have a decent promo behind him either. You're like... Where's this going? Like, <laughs> I, I do want to know something else more entertaining of this. So, Go sometimes TNA back in the day on their website would post their own reviews of the show. Yeah, so, why not? You know, you know? You know like if, if you go on, <laughs> can like I a, post reviews of my own podcast? How does that sound? Well, you know, so fans can go and get awful. results of it. <laughs> but here is the extract that I found on like the historic archive TNA stuff. Are you ready? <laughs> Go for it. They described the, the sequence as thus. King throws York into the rail, then tries to use Zima Ion as a springboard, but Ion pushes him back and King <laughs> goes headfirst into the railing. Ion then takes the air and hits a corkscrew splash on both York and King, who both, despite Kenny King being horrifically hurt, still moved out of the way so Zima Ion landed on the floor and no one caught him. Jesus. Talk about rewriting history, you know. <laughs> Zima Ion is the villain here. Zima Ion, absolute pro, standing there. Wonderful base <laughs> to do a moonsault off the back of. No, no, no. He pushed him back. Right in the match, Zima rail. Ion gets the biggest face pops. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's the heel. best wrestler. Exactly. And he was had the, the, the ring sense to throw <laughs> Kenny King into a railing whilst looking at the floor. <laughs> By not moving. <laughs> Someone had, someone had turned around and gone, don't worry, Zima. 
murder clown's there. He'll catch him. Oh, okay. I can't see because I'm not looking behind me at what's going on. I'm just being a firm base of my mate to jump on my back. Murder clown's there, is he? Oh, I'll just let him fucking hit the rail. Unbelievable, dude. So, I mean, in this match, like, are the guys athletically gifted? Sure. Are they capable of doing some cool spots? Yeah, sure. But do any of these spots or any of the story in this match make any logical sense to you as you're watching it? No. And we've got heel champion Kenny King still with this stupid entrance music. Yep. And he does dancing and smiling and interacting with the fans, even though he's meant to be a heel champion. It's like, he just doesn't know his character at all. It's, um, it's an athletic, it's Cirque du Soleil opener. Sure. I think it's, I don't even think it's that good. How many times have we seen like matches from 1994, 1995, WCW, like the cruiserweights, the lightweights in WWE. Think about anything New Japan with Dynamite Kid and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It's like, that's significantly more athletic than this. But Rich, Kenny King flung himself into a guardrail. <laughs> he did. It was worth it all for just that, to be honest. But... So, I mean, best, best X match I've seen since Styles, Joe and Daniels. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. York reverses Kenny King's finisher as Royal Flush into a roll-up for the two. Kenny King eventually hits the Royal Flush, properly this time, not the sloppy-looking bollocks he did to RVD to win the belt. For the one, two, three, and still your X Division champion in a completely and utterly pointless fucking match. Kenny King, hooray! Apart from he threw himself backwards into the guardrail, which was fucking hilarious. It has been the best thing he's done in this 10-week run of shows. It's the, and not to be disrespectful to Kenny King, because he, he is an athletic and very, you know, they, there's nothing to take away from the athleticism of these three. But the mm. fact that the most memorable thing of the last ten episodes is Kenny King's bad dancing, not knowing his character, and then smashing his head into a guardrail goes to show you the shit state of the X Division, which is something that TNA always used to say in the like mid two thousands. This is what makes us stand apart from WWE. We've got these fantastic experts having amazing red as part of their X Division in those early years. To this dross, yeah. not for me. I was thinking about the other day is that the one thing I was going into this 10-week series going is like, right, we have to help with the aces and eights. I don't like that. I remember how bad that was. I remember like the women's division was a bit shitty and very kind of like, you know, let's focus on the tits. <laughs> you know? Oh, gash um, cam. Exactly. But there, there's always going to be some great cruiserweight action. And in that first show, Rob Van Dam comes out with the belt and you're like, not sure about this and then you're like kenny king comes out and you're like okay kenny king great he can do some cool spots these will be some fun matches really didn't work out the way i hoped it was going to it's not been a good 10 weeks for the x division no as, as oh, i well. mentioned to you've got an x division which used to have joe aj daniels in it frankie kazarian Sabin, Sabin, frankie Shelley. michael shane yeah tons oh, michael of them. shane yeah oh my god yeah, man. alex and he said alex shelley uh Sabin knocking around and it's just it's 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 disappointing and they could have yeah. gone with the approach that wcw did is get some of the mexican luchadors to come in and actually do decent lucha stuff but it is what it is surely the show can get better <laughs> Jeremy Borash oh, backstage. <laughs> backstage telling us that they are backstage reading your Facebook comments and tweets hashtown lockdown on Twitter <laughs> here's Joseph Park for an interview Joseph Park is going to be wrestling 
Someone. Oh, it's Jerry Ryan. Who Matt Morgan's been on TV tag partner in nine weeks. Mm. What? Matt Morgan's tag partner? <laughs> yeah, who, again, hasn't been on TV in nine weeks, but is in the second match of the pay per view. Of course. Park does his usual innocent, innocent shtick. That's hard to say. Uh, the boys have been ribbing him, which he's uh, wearing a bit thin, to be honest, for me at this point. Like, he's just said the same thing for the past five weeks. Yeah, but you know, he's new to wrestling, so he's trying to use the wrestling terminology. Yeah. I like the Joseph Park character. Not the greatest utilization of him the last few weeks, I'd say. Lacking a storyline. Yeah, weirdly, because he's super fucking over. You would have thought they'd use him. They had fun with it, with his Ace and Eight stuff. He had his in-ring debut on Impact in London after his pay-per-view match. That was four weeks ago. I know. It's... It's a sign of things to come. But, you know, we do get mm. to see more of Joe Park. We're not going to cover TNA ever again, hopefully. Um, <laughs> we'll do but, some bad shows like here and there. But, yeah. Oh, so everything from <laughs> this show onwards. Um, but Joe Park, obviously, having the storyline going forward where he sees blood and he turns into Abyss and then, you know, it, the transition back to being Abyss after the absolute dross where they had this monster and they humanize him by giving him Hulk Hogan's Hall of Fame ring to now be Joe Park. It's. Well, what you described first sounds good. I didn't watch it the first time around, but it's good to know that something happens with him at least. Yeah, I mean, I think you've been a bit loose with the word good. <laughs> okay, really? <laughs> so, I um... Mean, get yeah, let's crack on. <laughs> Joe Park says, he says, the Alamo, not the car place, has great churros, and I'm like... Oh, because we're in Texas and the Alamo's there, but apparently there's a car rental place called Alamo or something. And I'm like, yeah, didn't get that Americanisms. I only knew, I only got that <laughs> joke because I, when I've been to the states in the past, I've hired my car from Alamo from the airport. There you go. That's not a thing we have here, so I didn't understand. But whatever. I mean, I, I, I kind of put two and two together, but <laughs> it's not the um, yeah punchline of the century. Uh, which cues bad influence to send a park off to go chat with Dixie who apparently is in catering. Frankie goes, yeah, yeah, big plate of pasta, right? <laughs> I was like, that's <laughs> fucking great. I don't know why he said that, but it made me laugh. Oh, I, I, like, I like these. I mean, Bad Influence, I would say, is a big highlight for me from this, uh, from this run. Yeah, I mean, Frankie going, you know, Dixie's in catering, and I'm like, yeah, when should you be in the kitchen, right? <laughs> <laughs> ah, chauvinism, it's funny. But then uh, it's okay that I said that because Frankie tops it off with something much worse. <laughs> Frankie goes, and speaking of churros, tonight, not about Chur- Churro Guerrero or Juan Hernandez. I'm like, you can't say that, Frankie. <laughs> yes, you can. That is racist. <laughs> he called him Churro Guerrero. I'm like, fuck. Okay. <sighs> it made me piss myself laughing, but it's, it's proper racist. I mean... The thing you've got to be careful, Frank, is if those cameras are around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this one's in his face. He's like, yeah, Churro Guerrero, that Mexican fella. <laughs> like, okay, mate. Ah, uh, fucking hell. So Frankie says they'll go all the way and they'll become the world tag team champions of the world. I love it. I love, love it. it when people say world tag team champions of the world. It makes me laugh so much. But the fact that he said that he, they, they become the world tag team champions of the world, again... Again. Again. (laughs) (laughs) It's great stuff. Uh, Christopher Daniels does a really, really fucking good serious promo here. 
He's fucking great. Chris Daniels, man. Still massively underrated. It's beautiful. Then showing how he's disrespected by Dixie Carter and the fans and their opponents. Saying that the belts are the most important things in bad influences life. Getting over it's important to win and want to win the belts. And then Daniels finish off by saying tonight they're going to prove they're the best tag team in the bus. Oh, yes, please. It's fucking yes, awesome. Please. The way he's like steps in front of Borash and Frankie to get right up in the camera's grill and just do his work, even though he's been this comedy character for all time. Like Daniels knows, right, this is pay-per-view. This is when we turn it on. We need to make people care about what we're about to do. Fucking hell, man. He just gets it. Like every single time, Chris Daniels gets it. He's the best. We said this earlier in the pod and we said in this series, I don't recall ever seeing a bad Chris Daniels match. I'm sure there must have been some um, in recent times, but through what I've watched of TNA, what I've watched of Daniels' career and some of the stuff in Ring of Honor, I I don't recall seeing a bad match. There's been average matches, but yeah, there's never sure. been a match I've seen Chris Daniels be involved in and go, ugh, Chris Daniels is involved. And I'll always, I'll always love Daniels and Kazarian. I'll always love the SCU boys because as you know not to wax lyrical about the stuff that we've done but i got to commentate on that match with you for o- owe and it was awesome and even then working with guys who had very little english against you know logan fan uh in, and, and achilles ben in china and still pulled off a great match to showcase the owe guys love chris daniels so much and- respect for that guy impressive stuff man so the next match is joseph park versus joe ryan and i don't think we really need to talk about it uh joe ryan hasn't been on tv for nine weeks that's probably a good thing but it's totally illogical <laughs> it's been put on tv uh joseph park sits on his opponent for the one two three joseph park wins let's move on uh did you know at facebook.com forward slash impact wrestling not tna you can vote for who you think is going to win the title match tonight I tried to go and find this poll to see how many people voted and I couldn't find it anywhere. I was so disappointed. Did you not realise that they showed it right before the main event? Well, no, it's in the numbers who voted. (laughs) Oh, okay. I couldn't find that either. I I wanted to see if it was like 43 people voted and 51% (laughs) thought it was going to be Jeff Jeff Hardy. It may have been. Very quickly, though, before you move on to this next match, and obviously I know we've skimmed over because, you know, Abyss doing a giant whoopsie on Joey Ryan's chest and then sitting on him was um, not really relevant. But this is the problem when you've got your all, you've got a 10-man match. You've got no chances of having much decent stuff on the undercard, so you just have to throw shit at the fan. Yeah, sure. Poor Logan. So... (laughs) 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 Michael Nee's going to be listening to this podcast and go, ah, finally, an OWE joke. <laughs> Careful now, that accent. What was that? What What did I do? <laughs> Nothing. So Jeff Hardy's arriving late to work with his shitty belts, 30 minutes late to the, late to the show because, you know, WCW 2000. Uh, Bubba and Brooke are backstage. Uh, Bubba is nervous. Hulk turns up to give Bubba a pep talk. Bubba sends Brooke on her way with a see you out there, like she's going to be wrestling or something. <laughs> I don't know why it made me pop so much. See you I out would... there, brother. <laughs> you know? <laughs> be much more fun if you said, now listen here, sugar tits. This is the time for the men to talk. <laughs> we almost get there by the end of the evening. But, you know. <laughs> so Hulk tells Bubba that there's something special about him, but 
but he can't put his finger on it because his finger's stuck in Brook. Hey, or is it something special about Bully Ray because he's white? Well, <laughs> oh. Hulk tells Bubba, I've seen what you've done with my daughter. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Do you want to see this video of what I've done with Bubba's wife? Not you, Bubba. The other Bubba. The love sponge. I've never put two and two together. Fuck, there's so many jokes there. Holy shit. Okay, I'll try and think of some as I go through. Hogan <laughs> goes on and on and on here. Fucking hell, it goes on for ages. Hogan is jealous of Bubba and wishes it could be him. I'm like, yeah, we know you're an egotistical maniac, Hogan. You spotlight hogging fuck. Can we just move on, please? Jesus Christ. At least he's honest. He obviously broke cal- character here. <laughs> I'd love to be in the main event here in front of 6,000 people. <laughs> yeah. like, Bully, I love you like you're my own son. Because the other one's in prison, so I need a replacement. Do you want to <laughs> get involved? Hogan goes on to give Bubba some super fucking generic advice that apparently came from Andre, and I'm like, yeah, fuck off, did it. And he's like, make sure they remember you. Make sure they remember you. And Bubba goes, that's an awesome story, man. <laughs> and I'm like, what fucking story? That's <laughs> oh, so stupid. Oh, dear. And this the handshake. And again, still not doing the Mega Bowers handshake. Oh. Can you imagine? Like, bumping into Hulk Hogan, he wants to shake your hand, and you're not just like, Ooh, yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the thing here, again, as you mentioned with the uh, the stick-labeled Bully Ray's part of Ace and Eight stick that I kept on smashing in the face with this evening, when yeah. Bully Ray and Hogan shake hands and Bully promises him that he'll make the fans remember... I'll make the fans remember him tonight. Oh, will you now? I wonder yeah. what you're doing later this evening. Brooke, even em- <laughs> even emphasizes it with a, I promise you, I will. Like real heelish, you know? Like, come on, dude. Don't give it away. It was away. me all along, Hogan. <laughs> he may as well have just said that to his face, you know? Anyway, so after this lengthy fucking backstage segment, Jesus Christ, it went on for ages. We get a TNA Women's Knockout Championship match, as I think that's what we're meant to call it, but I, I don't know whether it's the Women's Knockouts or just Knockouts. I got a bit confused by this, to be honest. The TNA Knockouts title. So, yeah, okay, fine. They've just replaced the word women with knockouts, have they? Diva, knockout. Yeah, got to replicate WWE, haven't we? So it's uh, Velvet Sky, <laughs> our current champion, <laughs> versus... <laughs> Wrestling's awful, dude. Versus Gail Kim, who's fucking awesome. Velvet, Ki- Velvet Sky had some lovely furry boots. Yeah. Gimmick-stealing bastard. So, uh, Tarrant <laughs> Terrell is the ref. I base my in-ring style and talent level similar to that of Velvet. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sure she's had some good matches or whatever. I, I couldn't say. I've seen them. But in 2013... <sighs> what I will say for Velvet Sky, uh, genuinely in all seriousness, mm. is that when her and Angelina Love were doing the beautiful people thing, and yes, granted, it was a little bit pervy. Their segments did such high ratings for TNA oh, cool. in the early days because that they drew, which meant her and Angelina got to make some decent money working for TNA. And like Angelina Love, I still think is a very underrated talent. I know, I think she's has she retired now. I'm not over, overly sure what Angelina Love's doing, but don't know. But she she was very 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 good, and Velvet Sky, I think with what training she had, I think she always made the best of what she was given. But I just don't think that she was given enough time to actually be able to develop a character and therefore develop herself in ring to get to the level of. I mean, no one could touch Gail Kim. 
Fucking name. So, no gash cam for Christy Hemi this evening. Can they do that, Joey? <laughs> uh, again, Christy Hemi does a fucking brilliant job ring announcing all night. She doesn't fluff one line. She's nice and loud and prominent the whole way through. She's just fucking great, man. Oh, I, you say that. Treat she her like does, a piece of meat. She does fluff one line, but then, Ooh, like okay. a professional, comes back straight away with the first cage match because obviously she's not able to be in the ring and she's doing a lot of over-the-shoulder um, sort of looking while she's doing her announcements. But again, Christy Hemi for this whole run of series. So if you're thinking Bad Influence, really, really good. Christy Hemi, the ring announcer, has done very good. And also, always good to see SoCal Val. She does a good job. Sure. Yeah, yeah. SoCal Val does quite a good job with the fans and stuff, you know. Like, this crowd are a little bit hard to get going at this point, but it's what it is. It must be a difficult job, wandering around ringside trying to clap and get people involved and stuff, you know. That's why Borash was put backstage, because they've rated <laughs> Christy Hemi more. Not Christy Hemi, sorry, uh, SoCal Val. So, Gail goes into the ring and immediately argues with Ref Taran Terrell justified at least they've got this gimmick going you know they've kept it going over the last few weeks well they've kept it going for the whole run of this 10-week show yeah absolutely it's been a 10-week build it's, it's actually one of the more consistent things not involving the belt <laughs> velvet sexually assaults the ring ropes the bell rings <laughs> gail turns to ref taran terrell and because this is tna the face champion velvet sky attacks gail from behind and off we go they love this spot don't they I mean, face heel, cross the line, no heels, no faces. Dastardly Velvel. Bad. Uh, you may as well just call it illogical stupidness. <laughs> across the line. Like, you need good guys and bad guys. How do you tell a story without them? You know, She's, she's the third wheel of the storyline, though. So she's got to do something to get memorable elements of this match. Yeah, sure. Like, But the... the the good the good guy attacking the bad guy as the match starts every time for week after week after week but, uh, anyway so christy henry doesn't get a crotch cam but never fear fans the gash cam is certainly here for the rest of the match <laughs> oh taron terrell's here like yeah, a exactly. moth to the fl- moth to a flame and i feel really sorry for taron terrell because i i do wonder if they would have done this to say here's what we need you to wear as a ref's outfit, Taron, rather than can you dress up like just as as, as female ref? Because can you imagine having like Aubrey wrestling in 2013 and having a wrestling promotion go, I want you to wear little hot pants and a little little vest top, Aubrey, as a serious one of the best referees in North America. Yeah, yeah, just, exactly. It's fucking backwards. I mean, it's just, you know, to be a woman on this roster, you have to be super fucking slutty, dude. It's just part of the gimmick, it feels like, you know? Yeah, it's not It's not good. And again, whilst I make joke of the shop TNA thing, this is 2013. Now, yeah. I know... You have the- people like Kong and Jazz and actually like decent female wrestlers that didn't have to be sluts on television the whole time as well. But they're all gone in 2013. This is just, you know, people being whores, basically. It's not good. And even, 20- even Victoria is like having to like you know flash a little bit now and again just to be on telly, you know. And at least they're taking her off to flash telly. all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so Gail uses Taryn Terrell to, to attack Velvet. Can she do that, Joey? Uh, Gail confronts referee Taryn to get in her face after a slow count by the shitty ass ref. 
Garrett, <laughs> Gail eventually slaps Taryn. Can she do that, Joey? Taryn Terrell goes to disqualify Gail, but doesn't. And instead, poor Gail Kim <laughs> gets speared and punched in the face by the referee in the match. Can she do that, Joey? Uh, some sort of Taryn Terrell hair extension start popping out of her hair and flying <laughs> all over the ring. Looks, looks pretty fucking great as they're doing it, to be honest. But I'm not sure it's meant to happen. Uh, Gail just kind of gets up from the beatdown. Taryn Terrell takes a few steps back. Velvet Sky hits a shitty fucking X-Factor finish, the in-yo-face for the one, two, three. And that is the match. The winner and still knockouts champion is Velvet Sky. Hooray! Continuation of a storyline that's been building. And the crowd, in fairness, were massive over when Taryn hit her spear. Yeah. The the logic of the match, though, we're not going to... We're just going to skip over that bit. We're not going to, you know, talk about how the ref beat up on the wrestlers. <laughs> ah, but again, this is explained on a later episode of Impact, which we'll go through at the end of this episode. Oh, God, do we have to? Next. Who gives a fuck? <laughs> like they're, they're making the story about the challenger and the referee. The champion's just, just here for the ride, it feels like. That is the bad thing, though. Their, their title is taking second, second fiddle to... Sorry, playing second fiddle to a referee in inverted commas. Although, you know, was an active wrestler in WWE before she went to Impact, so... I like the build, and obviously it le- led to the very, very, very good Gail Kim Taryn Terrell last woman standing match, which they ended up having. I think it was Slammiversary later this year. I'm sure it did. So Velvet Sky and a biased bullshit referee celebrating the ring together. Uh, but here to <laughs> save the show again, Robbie E is backstage with <laughs> Wait, Jeremy Borash. You didn't even get the part where Todd Kennelly Kennelly fucked up. And over to you, JB. No, wait, we're not going... No, 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 we'll just give them their glory shot in the ring. <laughs> the words that he used, it's like, oh, Todd. Fucking Beautiful hell. stuff, man. So, uh, Robbie E is backstage with Borash. Robbie cuts his usual douchebag hilarious promo. He's fucking great, man. His frosted tips, 12 foot high in the air, cheap beaded chain with beige sweater and pink and brown stripes. It's, it's a sight to behold, dude. He's awesome. Very good, Robbie. And as you said earlier... <laughs> We've warmed to the Robbies, the Robs, Big Rob and Bigger Rob over this yeah. this run of shows. And going back to 2013, looking at how good Robbie was now, rather than just being a mock-up of the situation back sort of nine years ago. Mm-hmm. Really, really nice. Robbie E's promo here. God, he's just so funny. And like, I know I, I can't do this justice because I'm not as funny as Robbie E, but he's like... What did you do for me, Big Rob? You held me down for two years, you oversized hamster, bro. <laughs> Robbie E does a slack jawed yokel Texan accent thing. He's like, y'all Texans can understand my former bro. I'm going to make my hoe. Oh, <laughs> I'm like fucking poetry, bro. <laughs> I, I like the fact that he tried to embrace his inner dice clay at this stage. Yeah. He's such a fucking idiot. It's great fun, man. Like, to play an idiot on TV when you've got all these kind of, like, failed biker dudes trying to look cool and stuff and, you know, all these big, hulky, roidy dudes trying to be like, oh, I'm the fucking big superstar face. And you've just got Robbie E being like, yo, bro. <laughs> it's great, man. It's just what this show needs. It's um, I, I rank the characters of people like this as 
Robbie E, Rob Van Dam, everyone else, Matt Riddle. <laughs> Fair enough. So we queue a fucking hilarious video package telling the backstory of the two Robs. Uh, I've never heard the word bro so often in such a short space of time, bro. Bro. It's great, bro. A lot of, apart from when Vince Russo talks, but that doesn't count. How many bright colors, tacky sweaters, shiny shinies, and fist pumping do we need in a promo? This many, because <laughs> it's fucking hilarious. Since, they, since this promo, I have hmm. since bought myself a lemon yellow uh, v-neck sweater to wear for nice. work. <laughs> I love the fact in this promo, they've edited it like it's a terrible club music video. The editor has done such a good job on this. Uh, they've even put like a little vocoder effect on Robbie E's voice whenever he says bro. <laughs> so it goes, bro. <laughs> so funny, man. It made me laugh so much. It's genius. I think they spent more time on this than they did in the main event video packages because they're not very good, but this one is fucking great. <laughs> this was obviously given to someone in like the junior round. So just do the Robbie E, Robbie T thing. And that person <laughs> knows what they're doing. Like, I'll make a mark on this show. <laughs> Fucking hey, man. So it's bro versus bro up next. We've got Robbie E versus Rob Terry. Uh, Robbie E in the pink and baby blue with sparkly gold trim this evening. I'm like, oh, that's a lot of gold trim on one pair of trunks. Oh, it's fucking great. Uh, Robbie E's music, dude. Can you describe it, maybe? <laughs> I don't think I can. I was I trying did... to work out how, you know. Um... I, I'm pretty much. There is no. There are no words that can describe. Like, good to do. 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 Do 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 do. It's like awful, awful club music. Oh, it's so good. It's so spectacular. Maybe like if you ever, when you're young, watch like some kind of Ibiza uncovered show on on Sky mm. One of just watching these club rats get hammered and vomit everywhere. That's the sort of like theme music I'd link to it. Absolutely, man. So, I mean, there's, there's not much to go over in the match. It's it's good. And they're like, Rob plays the chicken shit heel very well. Rob at Terry does the big angry Roydy Magoo thing. But it seems such a shame that they've broken this team up, you know. Like, they've already got Rob Terry in a black pair of trunks with a blue dragon on the back because, you know, he's Welsh. They've given him a generic rock theme when he comes out. And I'm just like... These two are made for each other. Like, why are they breaking them up? It makes no sense. Rob Terry is not ready to be a main eventer. Like, he's just not experienced enough. Robbie E isn't big enough or roidy enough or, you know, Bully Ray or Jeff Hardy to be a main eventer in Hogan's eyes. And so having them together makes so much sense. And splitting them up seems like they're destined to fail, basically. I did find it was a little bit of a shame at the end of the match where. Big Rob slammed Robbie into the mat and started doing his like pre finisher hand body movement gesture of like getting him on the crawl and going, Rah! and then whilst he was doing that thing, Robbie just stood up and fell into him when he was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> and then Big Rob picked him up for his uh, little standing spine bustery finish sure. um, for the one, two, three. His but... DVD spine buster thing. It's quite cool, yeah. man. I just, yeah. The, the, I just said, as a, as a tag team, they could have got a lot more mileage out of these two. I think even Robbie E is the talent and Rob Terry is just his backup that just, you know, cheats for him, beats people up. I know they've probably done it for a while leading up to this. 
but just just keep doing it. <laughs> like, it does, you don't need to change this. This is great. It works. I can't like, remember. Stop fucking with the system, guys. Wrestling is simple sometimes, you know? I can't remember who they, they had because Rob Terry came in after... Um, Robbie had another valet who was essentially supposed to be um, fake Snooky. Um, who was his valet? I'm oh, see I remember that, actually. Yeah, when like, they first came in. Who was his associate when he was in there? Because he was in the, I think it was called like The Shore. Yeah, um, I don't think she had... lasted long. No. Oh, Cookie. That was it. Cookie. Sure. And that was Becky Bayliss, who um, I think she's retired. she retired now? I'm not sure. But yeah, Becky Bayliss, who is one of the um, Women's Extreme Wrestling uh, Superstars Unleashed. And she wrestled in Wrestlelicious as well, I think. Cookie. That was it. I remember her. Yeah, she went on to have a bit of a solo career in TNA, didn't she? Yeah, but not so. not overly memorable, not long term. My favorite thing about this particular match is when Robbie E does moves and like Rob Terry no sells them. Obviously, he's a big Roy Magoo. Robbie E does kind of does some stretches and shouts. You want me to get serious, huh? And every time he does a move, <laughs> he goes, "Bro, oh!" <laughs> like this is fucking so funny, man. It's great. Oh, it's just the best. I love it. So, um. A uh, big Rob Terry gets down to one knee momentary. These TNA marks and the crowd don't appreciate what they're seeing. The crowd are absolutely dead. Does his big DVD spinebuster finish for the one, two, three, and your winner is Rob Terry. And I'm like, these two have been the most entertaining thing for the past 10 weeks in the show for me. Um, the match is fun and told a goofy story, but the fans just didn't give a shit. And uh, yeah, I think it's down to these characters work well together. I don't think Rob Terry's over in any particular way. Uh, to make him like a face for them to care about. They obviously don't like Robbie E. And so this is very easy for them to just be like, all right, another match on the card. Thanks, guys. Off we go. You know? Yeah. I mean, the, the story continues a little bit, but that after a few more weeks, it's it's gone and no one remembers. That's it. It's a shame, man, because these two are fucking hilarious together. Um, Anything you want to say about the past 10 weeks with these two? Because they give me a lot of joy. They've been good fun. And it, and it did give Spud... Um, a good chance to shine on Impact yeah. and it's a shame they couldn't be bothered to use him at all in the rest of the storyline. Yeah, where's he gone? It's ridiculous. Cut to Borash backstage again and I'm like, okay, this is the fourth time we've done this now. This is getting a bit WCW Mean Gene 96, you know? <laughs> like yeah. We're just going to Borash after every match. But that's okay because at least Borash is there with uh, infamous anti-vaxxer Austin Aries. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what a fucking bellend. I'm very proud to be associated with Sean Rossap for getting his getting him to delete his Twitter this week. It's fucking hilarious, man. <laughs> I've known more people to die of getting the vaccine than I have of COVID. And I'm not I'm not here to preach on on whether or not the COVID is fake and vaccines kill people, but you know what? COVID is real and vaccines don't kill people. <laughs> Austin Aries is a twat. <laughs> Good stuff, in my opinion. Um so no, factual. Uh... Factual. <laughs> <laughs> Austin Aries cuts a promo. Rude doesn't seem to be here. Aries doesn't need Rude to keep the straps. Then Bobby Rude walks into shot and he's like, look, he's here. I'm like, all right. What? So Bobby Rude, Rude was getting his COVID vaccine. That's why I was late. <laughs> so Rude wasn't on TV for what? One week? Maybe two? Two, I think it was. Okay. I'm like, so was this meant to be a storyline that Bobby Roode wasn't here for a week or two? 
and now he is here for his scheduled title match. What? Proper champion turns up to work late. <laughs> this is the weirdest segment. I literally was watching this going, what's going on? Why is he cutting a promo about how he doesn't need Bobby Roode? He wasn't there last week. Even, he, he, he wasn't but, on Impact last week. and they, Bobby, um, But Bobby Roode's standing next to him as he's cutting the promo. And then Bobby Roode walks in and is like, hi, I'm here. And Roode, Aries is like, yeah, I knew you were here. <laughs> he's like, well, why did you cut the promo then? Austin Aries is a fucking moron. <laughs> <laughs> so confusing. I was like, what's going on? Uh, we're talk- stuck in the time loop again for TNA, you know? It's this uh, replicant time loop sci-fi thing they've gimmick they've got going. I swear to God, this is where it's going, dude. I hope so. Because at least it explains a lot. <laughs> yeah. As the tag title match graphic comes up on screen, Todd Kenlinahelly Pukecopter tells us it's going to be a good one. And I'm like, well, we'll be the judge of that, Toddles. Thank you very much. <laughs> For our TNA World Tag Team title three-way match of Austin Aries and Bobby Roode, our current champions, versus Chris Daniels and Kazarian of Bad Influence, versus Chavo Guerrero, (laughs) and Danger Max himself, Mr. Hernandez. And as I won't get a chance to say it anytime soon, Chavo Guerrero's entrance is fucking dreadful. I think you, you accidentally put in one too many words in that sentence. You put the word entrance in your sentence mm. remove that and re-say the sentence please it's a fair point yeah it's <sighs> all right so firstly the tag belts really pretty love the tag belts i mean i think this is now i know we're probably going to go along on this pod anyway but now is the important time to segue about belts what the fuck is the new japan power ranger <laughs> belt all about <laughs> yeah it's a sh- it made me sad as I messaged you during the week. It's uh, they've taken Cody's neck tattoo and turned it into a belt, and you're like, "Why?" You had Woods the and Brad belt. Maddox. Woods and Brad Maddox have jizzed over that design. <laughs> yeah, they man. they've gunged over that. <laughs> <laughs> Gunge all over the shop, you know. God, the IWGP belt was so beautiful. It's held such prestige, you know. Think about the matches that that belt has been fought over. You're just Although like, oh. I What's did see something online that it did hark back to one of the original IWGP. Yeah, like, the ugliest one. <laughs> Everyone says this. And I'm like, that belt was fucking ugly. I don't care. I saw someone put on Twitter who's a big New Japan fan. And I, and I like this guy a lot, so I'm not going to name him. <laughs> but someone posted online going, I mean, there's been a lot of negative stuff about the New Japan belt. But, you know, we all hate the Universal title. Look. Look how we're happy with it now. No, we're fucking not. (laughs) No, definitely not. Those belts are fucking corporate branding bollocks. They're awful. It's a logo on a square. Like, no one wants that. You want one? (laughs) Fuck no. (sighs) So, Rude Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you're going to buy me a 400 pound belt, I will happily take it, dude. (laughs) I mean, I'm not. (laughs) It's not going to be a real authentic one. (laughs) What do you mean? (laughs) <laughs> buy me the big one you've got money fuck off be, be generous <laughs> <laughs> okay fine Ru- but on your, on your head be it now when I have to li- sleep in your garage when my wife goes why have you spent 400 quid on Richard's Christmas <laughs> present he called me out on, on the pod calling me rich <laughs> so Rude and Aries are nicely consistent with uh, we're goofy heels so we both want to start the match but they give one up on it really quickly this time. Remember, like the last few weeks, they would both get in the ring and they'd argue and they'd shove each other and stuff. This is they both get in the ring. They go, "Are you going to start?" And he goes, "Yeah, okay." And then there he starts. You're like, 
All right. Well, we're giving up on this gimmick pretty quick. Bobby Roode's only just turned up. They haven't had time to think about anything, surely. Fair point. Fair point. So lots of tandem attacks by Charvito and Danger Max to get them over as faces early. Kind of works, but not really. The crowd are definitely cheering them, but it's, it's not a big pop of any sort. They have to do lots of cheerleading. The thing I got at the early stages of this match is similar to what I thought about the opening X Division match. This match is the tag division. Mm. There, we haven't seen any other tag teams. At least when we did not did Nitro, the uh, the formation of the NWO, at least we had Fire and Ice. You know, one of them was Fire, one of them was Ice. DK. Get it? <laughs> and we had like Harlem Heat, we had the Steiners, we had LOD for one show. The only tag teams, other than seeing um, Matt Morgan and his tag team partner briefly, these have been the core three. We've not seen any other tag teams. The only one you could possibly argue would be Magnus and Joe. They just reformed last week, but it doesn't really count. They're in a, a big six-person whatever tag later. Um, yeah, these are only three tags, and they've been on every single week, and they've told some stories. They're not very good stories, but... Again, that heel-face dynamic is so messy again with these three units. It's just like, okay, fine. Don't really care, you know? Which is a shame, because... Again, you've got Daniels and Kaz working their tails off to try and to work with Shit Guerrero, Danger Mex, and Anti-Vaxxer. And Bobby Root's good. Yeah, Bobby Root's pretty decent, isn't he? So there's this really weird sequence in this match, which I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, where Chavo does the Eddie Three Amigos spot, right? And then someone interrupts him. Okay, he's kind of entitled to it, dude. No, it's but not. whatever. Okay, all right, fair enough. So he does the three amigos spot, and he gets to the second suplex, and he gets interrupted. So he jumps to the next person who interrupted them. And he does the three amigos spot, and he gets interrupted, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But as he's doing this spot, Aries stops him and goes to hook him up in a suplex to do his own. And Aries does the Eddie Guerrero shoulder shake thing, right? So the fans just look at him, going, "What are you doing? Why are you doing Eddie's shit?" And then Frankie gets the better of Chavo and does the Eddie Guerrero shoulder shake shit. And I'm just like, is this meant to be getting heat? Why are we (laughs) impersonating a dude that died not too long ago from where this match is? It's really fucking weird. We're in Texas. And Aries is two for two of making, you know, replicating people. Because he he copied Jeff Hardy's shitty dance the previous episode. And now he's mocking a dead man. Yeah. I didn't get this. This just completely threw me off. Like I was not not loving this show up until this point, but it's it's tolerable. I I, I kind of like watching wrestling. You know, I love wrestling. Not this, but I love wrestling. And it's just like, can we can we not mock the dead dude, please? Like, what the fuck are you doing, guys? It it just stopped the match, and you could see. It just said, I think they were trying to get heat, and. The, the Texas fans just looked at him and went, has someone fucked something up? Yeah, like, don't be a cunt, guys. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Stop that. That's difficult with 50% of the, the inhabitants of this match. Well, yeah, speaking of which. <laughs> <laughs> so, Chavo takes the most heat in the match from the two heel teams, okay? But he constantly fights back. Like, I mean constantly. They throw him into the corner. He, they come in to do a spot and Chavo's like, no, I'm going to punch you in the ribs first. You know, they go to do a suplex. And Chavo's like, no, no, I'm going to elbow you first and then you get to do it later. Like, I understand 
how important it is to fight back as the underdog, the guy taking the heat in the match. But surely you have to do some selling, <laughs> like to get some heat, yeah? Not the Guerrero way. <laughs> Sorry, Charbo. not the Charbo Guerrero way. Charbo is so unwilling to give anyone anything in this match. Like, he's not willing to work at all. No comment. It's weird, dude. I've never really noticed it that much up until this match. I was like, mate, he's not giving them fucking anything. <laughs> it's like 20 minutes. He's taking heat. Uh, anyway, so referee Al Hebno is completely out of position and the crowd get on top of him. And uh, then is a victim of gash cam. <laughs> you taught Taron Terrell all he knows. <laughs> <laughs> Selling t-shirts out the back of Earth's boot of the car. Fucking A, dude. Uh, heading into the finish, all three teams are fighting over one corner spot. Uh, eventually it breaks down to Charvo hitting Daniels with a frog splash but Charvo is not the legal man apparently and I'm like no, there hasn't been a legal man for at least five minutes in this match like I don't know if El Hebner's got the best memory ever but they've all been kind of like you know what's the word I'm looking for well, they're all in the ring at the same time bundle. tornado it's very <laughs> much been a bundle tornado style match for the last five minutes but apparently El Hebner's kept track of who the legal people are because he won't count the pinfall. <laughs> Ares comes in, chucks Charbo out the ring. Rude covers Daniels, who apparently is the other legal person, for the one, two, three. And I'm like, what was this finish? Logic. Good refereeing. Calling I mean, it right down the line. <laughs> technically, it would be good refereeing. But did you, did you, are you sure that Rude and Daniels are the legal people? Because I certainly wasn't. No idea. As you said, it was about a quarter of this match where <laughs> no one was a legal person. But covering daniels for the victory why didn't they cover charvo sure fucking hell but what 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 a tna finish dude what a tna finish you could just have someone do a move and pin them you know (laughs) tna by numbers ah that's great so still tna tag champ to rude and aries and uh what do you think of this uh these 10 weeks of tag title matches and how it's gone i like (laughs) well that's definitive at least I like the fact that you've got bad influence in there trying. They bring their work boots every single time they get into the room, put on the working boots, get in and try and make chicken salad out of chicken shit mm-hmm. and get into work with Bobby Roode. And let's be honest, from an in-ring standpoint, I'm not keen on him, but I do see why Austin Aries, from an in-ring perspective, from an athletics perspective, can actually you know, string a couple of moves together. And watching Hernandez try and kill people doing that Air Mexico thing is always quite funny. And Charvo always infuriates me. <laughs> yeah. I would say as you said, every no single selling, match. Go on, sorry. And the no-selling element, it's just, it, if anything, in TNA, it's just amplified even more than it was so blatantly obvious in WCW. These six are very, very guilty of not selling. Frankie and Daniels a bit less. At least they sell and roll to the outside occasionally. The other four, Jesus Christ, they do not sell shit in this match. No, no more, no more. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a shame again, like with the exhibition thing we were saying earlier, where I expected to have some interesting tag matches in here. Um, the, the lack of heel-face dynamic again throughout the last 10 weeks with these three teams has been such a mess, you know comedy heels are great fun but they're not good for telling a long-term story you know and you know we're in 2013 and we've mentioned that we don't have any decent tag teams in here Mm. i just uh, (laughs) i just can't believe at this time like 
in 2013, Rich, they had fucking Generation Me. Jesus Christ. March 18th. That means they okay. had the machine guns as well. They had guns. Oh, may- maybe, I- maybe I've I've misdated this because, yeah, I think I'm a week out because on March 18th, Gen Me returned to TNA to be part of a tag tournament. But I'm going to take Gen a bit. Me- Everyone listening to this knows that's the Young Bucks, but just in case, that's the Young Bucks. You know, they're the Young Bucks just on the shelf waiting to go, you know. And that's their tag teams. That's... Who, by the way, they tried to split up and put them into singles compared to straight away. And you're like, the fuck are you doing? <laughs> like, it's the Young Bucks. Mm, me Young Buck. <laughs> me Young Buck. Me singles competitor. Me win heavyweight belt. Yes. And just so you know, if anyone's interested in watching this, um, <clears throat> a couple of weeks after this show, as part of the uh, tag team tournament one night only pay-per-view stuff that they did, the Bucks got to the final to wrestle bad influence in a ladder match. I would have liked to have seen that. That would have been good. Reminder Maybe I'll watch it on my free impact <laughs> my free impact app. Reminder of the knockouts title match from earlier. A JB backstage again interviewing Taron Terrell at this time, the referee. Taron Terrell starts to go, I made a judgment call. And I'm like, no you fucking didn't. You beat up one of the wrestlers, you prick. And so Gail Kim, completely in her rights to do so, attacks Taron Trell and beats the shit out of her. Great stuff. Beginning of a feud that I'm not going to fucking watch. So, should we move on? Oh, hang on. Right. I, in, in all seriousness, and I, I know you are going to disagree it's with this immensely. It's not part of the 10 weeks. It's not part of the review. But go on, go on. No, but if, if, you, if you are interested in seeing this uh, continue, then uh, her, her match with <laughs> Good one. Gail. <laughs> Sorry. Is very, very, very good. Good stuff. So the ring crew are setting up the cage. And I'm like, hang on. This is lockdown. Wasn't every match meant to be in the cage? Isn't that the gimmick tax? I'm glad you mentioned this because <laughs> I have. <laughs> I thought some... I'd wait until now to do it, you know? <laughs> I have some interesting facts for you about uh, this lockdown. Go for it. Um, and this is actually the first time that not all matches were contested in the cage. Mm. So it was only put in to be their, what they considered th- two main events and uh, Angle versus Briscoe. <laughs> um, and yeah, normally, main event, yeah. <laughs> so considering from 2005 to 2012, lockdown has featured every single match in a steel cage. Um, mm. And it's also the first time that lockdown had been moved to March since its inception in 2005, which is ironic, since we got put in lockdown in March last year. <laughs> we sure did. It's, um, it's a good decision. Definitely. Uh, having every match in the cage makes far cool sense. It's, again, like we've talked about in previous weeks, it's knowing, oh, it's that time of year. Here's the Hell in the Cell matches. You're like, oh, dude. It used to mean so much when someone would be like, I'm going to finally end this feud and I'm going to fight you. Hell in a cell. You know, it's, that's the level that cage matches should be treated. And I'm happy that AEW at least seem to be treating cage matches like that when they've done them. They've only had one. Yeah, AEW. they've only had the one. That's what I mean. It's an important thing. When it comes around, it matters. And they lock the fucking door. And you can't win by escaping the cage. It's like... Almost seems like that's what they were meant to be for in the first place, you know? <laughs> it's. I don't know. What can I say? 
Well, at least we get a segue that our next pay-per-view is Slam- Slammiversary. That's nice. Uh, you just broke up. Can you say that again, buddy? Oh, sorry. No, I was just saying that at least we then get a, a segue from uh, Todd Kennelly while the crew are putting up the cage and they start saying that we've got Slammiversary taking place in Boston. About to say, it's time to fill because we've got some cage setting up to do. This takes 10 minutes. <laughs> But uh, yay, Boston. Did you see where it was in Boston, where Slammiversary is going to be? No. Do you remember an idea I pitched to you about how TNA should do their shows? Yes. Universities, ah. colleges. This is going to be a Boston university. And I'm like, motherfuckers heard me. They got my idea. <laughs> I bet that show is great as well. And when they got in the backstage vortex, they took your idea back to 2013. <laughs> and went, you know what we're going to do? Now that's a story. Pay attention, DNA. <laughs> so Ace's mates are chatting shit backstage. Well, backstage clubhouse in Texas, I imagine. Yeah, because they can port it. They tow it on their bikes and Taz's scooter. Pretty much, dude. His sidecar, you know. <laughs> Taz's two-stroke moped. <laughs> Isn't that what they call Brooke? <laughs> <laughs> Ah, fuck you now. Speaking of which, D'Lo is oh, basically... For, for the record, Hogan, not Tessmacher. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So uh, D'Lo Brown backstage is giving everyone a pep talk and he's just being like, you're great and you're great and you're really great to everyone. It, it's really stupid and funny. It's great. I love it. D'Lo's like, you're getting an iPod. You're getting an iPod. It literally is that promo. Gallo's response was just like... <laughs> just oh he's such a good villain i love with it. leg slapping a, a, a hoy with gallows like <laughs> i love gallows like you said so yeah just echoing what you said always a highlight you know he's having a great time doing this silly shtick you know it's so much fun uh d'lo brown sends briscoe cito out to the ring jeremy borash backstage with kurt angle he cuts a really serious promo that i'm saying yeah uh, tonight he'll make Briscoe Inyo famous. Uh, it's real. It's damn real. Uh, so we get a last bit of filling time here of Angle and Hijo de Briscoe doing a video package. It's um, yeah, it's a bit basic, right? Sets the story though. Mm. It's not the Robbie E video package, that's for sure. No, because they they Borash must have done this. <laughs> <laughs> so our first steel cage match of the night is Wes Briscoe versus Kurt Angle. Tax, could you please describe Bisco Konkani's entrance? <laughs> uh, muted. <laughs> so, um, Mr. Konkani Briscoe appears through the cloud. Clouds? <laughs> I wish he appeared through the clouds. That would be an entrance. Holy shit. <laughs> like, like when Shawn Michaels teamed with God. <laughs> I was going to say, Shawn at 25, like coming down from the rafters through the cloud, you know? Oh, God. <laughs> That'd be great. Wes Briscoe would be like, I'm as good as Shawn Michaels. Fuck you. Wes Briscoe asked for his ticket walking through the crowd because I had a fucking clue who he was trying to get into the ring. <laughs> oh, but, I mean, oh, sorry. Wes Briscoe with hair. Yeah, that's where his personality is, right? Fucking hell. I mean, for someone who has great family lineage, uh, just to highlight how important it is to be able to work you know, Orton can go. You know. Well, his dad and uncle are one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, Dax. Mm. <laughs> his, his uncle dad. <laughs> exactly. Um, fuck it. I mean, the, the problem is now with, with Wes Briscoe is that 
Angle, I think, must have been like, he's a Briscoe, he's a wrestler. I want to, I, I want to work with him. I'll work with Briscoe and I'll make him a star. Ooh. Hmm. So Tez, sorry, Tez, Taz goes, Wes Briscoe is a good person, a tough kid. And I'm like, he's meant to be the heel. Calm down, Taz. Tanae goes on about how Briscoe was an accomplished wakeboarder. And I'm like, what's this meant to achieve exactly by telling me this? He, he hits the waves hard like he does his opponents. <laughs> so odd. Like, what a lethal wakeboarder he was. Oh, great. That well-known sport of wakeboarding <laughs> coming in useful for professional wrestling, right? Yeah. Why is it wrestling Jesus. commentators always need to find some kind of shitty sports thing? Like when Cesaro started in, in the Fed and they were like, he's an excellent rugby player. Yeah, of course. It's because <laughs> Switzerland known for their rugby team, you know. And when Rusev debuted, it's like, oh, he's a Sambo champion. <laughs> Fucking See, hell. Th- those things at least have some sort of relevance to fighting. You know what I mean? wakeboarding <laughs> I d- it's weird uh so um at the match starts blah 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 there's there's a moment when kurt <laughs> angle going to what like, i was going to talk about the kurt angle cheerleading bit yeah that's it because it's hilarious i'm like you're kurt fucking angle all you need to do is look at the crowd and they're gonna pop for you but he's doing the full, I'm in a chin lock. Come on, everyone. Let's do He may as well have walked out the curtain and gone, come on. <laughs> you know, like, the best, and again, this isn't the first, first thing to do because <laughs> after he sweeps a leg, drops Briscoe with a double leg and the crowd starts chanting USA. Because it's like, do you not know where fucking where's Briscoe comes from? Anymore? <laughs> <laughs> We and even Texas Taz picked it up on comment. Taz even picked it up on commentary. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah. was like, a, oh, so Wes Briscoe's not from America anymore. Thanks, Texas. But <laughs> <laughs> seeing Kurt Angle, fucking Kurt Angle, like WrestleMania against Brock main eventer, one of the greatest of all time, Kurt Angle, doing super babyface cheerleading spots with Wes Briscoe because no one gives a flying fuck about this match. <laughs> really disappointing dude like Kurt Angle is so much better than that good thing it doesn't get worse (sighs) Jesus Christ there is one really cool bit when they go to climb up the cage um so in the middle of the rope so between the two turnbuckles obviously and Kurt manages to do a German suplex off the tippity top rope and I'm like that's fucking awesome (laughs) he literally drops Wes in his fucking head it's awesome it's so much fun man uh, ref bump. Wes uh, tap, uh, taps out to the ankle lock with the ref down. Angle does a middle finger to Wes and goes, Fuck you! <laughs> but they flirted and beeped it. Full on censorship. Um, this is a finish, isn't it? I, I mean, creative finish. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can take this one. Go on, I've had enough already. <laughs> so after Angle flips off, uh, Briscoe, not Bischoff. Cage opens and he casually walks out as he exits. So the referee's still out, Angle standing on the ramp. So technically he's won by escaping the cage as Christy Hemi kindly put over at the start of the match. Escape, pinfall, submission. Fine. But um, as Angle's standing on the ramp after leaving the cage and celebrating, obviously no bells rung, no ring music's playing, uh, D'Lo Brown 
that a man from management runs down and attacks the Olympic gold medalist, former world heavyweight champion, smashes him into the cage awkwardly, throws him in, pulls Briscoe back out of the cage, so Briscoe's on the ramp, angles back in the ring, and then D'Lo Brown hides by the side of the ring, <laughs> ref suddenly wakes up, sees that Briscoe's out of the ring and angles in there, gives the win to Ace and Ace, and all of a sudden D'Lo jumps up and goes, Wee! we won! It's like, you're supposed to be hiding. It's fucking madness, dude. Like You think about the context of people backstage, so Hogan, like as the commissioner character or whatever the fuck he's meant to be, is he just not watching the monitor? Does he not give a shit that Kurt Angle just got completely screwed? Surely he would come out and be like, no, no, Angle won. Yeah, he was already out of the cage. Don't worry about it, guys. You know. I also love the fact that it does look like Briscoe really just couldn't move anymore. Briscoe looked gassed for a lot of this match. And then D'Lo had to physically yank him through the rope to get him out of the cage. It was, um, I, I know he was superbly selling, tapping out from the ankle lock. And then being knackered <laughs> after having someone snap his ankle, then let go for a bit. Yeah. But it was a ridiculous finish. Briscoe didn't impress in any way, shape, or form. Angle halfway through the match evidently realized working with Briscoe was a fucking lost cause. <laughs> and what are they doing here with this interference from D'Lo Brown? Are they setting up D'Lo versus Kurt? Well, no, because no. D'Lo can't wrestle, can he? Exactly. So what's the point? What's the point in his interference? It's it's the everlasting thing with this series of TNA have to be job guys. They can't win matches clean. Like, Jesus Christ, if they'd have put Brish- Briscoe over angle clean, I would have been fucking furious. But uh, it's just completely overthought again. The finish is way too excessive. You just have Briscoe walk out the door after some people interfere, surely. You don't have Angle literally win the match and then Dilo bring him out and throw him back in the cage to then have Briscoe. Oh, it's just oh, it's so, so stupid. So, so stupid. I, su- I suppose the only argument they can have here is that the other guys were preparing for their lethal lockdown match and then the only outside guy left was Dilo because they wouldn't want to risk getting hurt. But considering we've had so many gang attacks... Even if you just had Nux and Gallows come out and kick the shit out of Angle and then throw him back in, it looks like he's had a legit beatdown. And then you'd expect maybe Kurt's going to come out in the main. Because I thought how this could have gone when I watched this the first time was that, oh, Angle's been attacked. So he's lost the match. Maybe they're going to try and attack someone from Team TNA and then Angle's going to Marexi come in as a surprise fifth guy. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, why have logic? So where I was going with this match is like, I was thinking in an ideal sense how, and I know this is kind of fantasy booking and it's not really what screwed <laughs> good on podcasts or whatever, but I assumed that the story was going to be Kurt Angle's an amazing wrestler, like amateur wrestler. Briscoe comes from an amazing amateur background. His dad is uncle, you know, the same person. <laughs> so they were going to get in the cage, have this really technical match Okay, couple of high spots here and there, like the German off the ropes, etc., etc. Because it's a cage match, you should utilize the cage. But then Wes Briscoe was going to be like, ah, bollocks to it, low blow Kurt and win the match, sort of thing. You see what I mean? So, yeah. You keep Logic. Kurt Angle strong, you have him not be able to beat Kurt in an amateur style like he's promised he's going to be able to do. Remember the promo he cut on Impact? Um, but no, they just have a match and a shitty finish instead because TNA. <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> oh, well, that's great. Or, but but also the continuation of storyline. So obviously, on the last episode of Impact, we had Ace and Eight winning the night two to one. Now Ace and Eight are one nil up. 
So are they going to tie the series in the <laughs> lethal lockdown match? You and your series. Look at you paying attention. Jeez. So... <laughs> <laughs> uh, next up we get an aces and Ace versus team tna video package it's again it's quite well put together but it's nowhere near the level of robbie e and robbie t earlier uh sting tna hall of fame video package the idea of tna having a hall of fame still seems like a massive fucking joke to me they've been around a long time dude no they haven't <laughs> come on i in comparison to wcw they have yeah yeah but they didn't have a hall of fame did they they weren't around long enough. <laughs> okay. So uh, the state of Stinger's face paint in this video package, seeing the early half Stinger, half Joker, bollocks transitions thing. <laughs> transition sting. <laughs> yeah, man, transitioning. Ah, <laughs> uh, it is it's terrible. Um, so it's, it's, it's a well put together video package telling the story of everything we've talked about over the past 10 weeks and stuff prior to it. Um, they get a fancy match graphic with a voiceover as well this time. Very nice. I mean, very quickly, um, we speak of the uh, TNA Hall of Fame. Can you name me any other TNA Hall of Famers, considering it started in 2012? Um, so Sting was the first guy, wasn't he? He was. The first TNA Hall of Famer in 2012. Who yeah, was because it was, it was uh, WWE haven't put him in there, so we'll do our own sort of thing. Pretty much. Didn't they put Jeff Jarrett in it? They did. They did in 2015. They didn't yeah. put anyone in in 2014 because it was a bad year. Right. Um, so who did they put in 2013? Have a guess. Hogan? Angle. Oh, competitive angle, you mean? <laughs> okay, oh, fair enough. In fairness, in 2015, they did do a double induction. So Double J and Earl Hebner. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, fair enough. 2016, Is Earl in the WWE yeah. Hall of Fame? I don't know. He sold t-shirts out the back of his van and screwed over them for money, so I don't think he is. He really fucking should be, to be fair. I mean, he screwed Brett. I mean, he, yeah, and you know, he fucked over for money, etc, etc, but you think about the things that Earl Hebner's involved in, in terms of moments. Coco bewares there, though, so it doesn't matter. Um, there are three others in the Hall of Fame. Gail Kim in 2016, Abyss in 2018, and Ken Shamrock in 2020, and that's the one where we saw The Rock in his Hall of Fame induction video. Oh, yeah. sorry. And 2014, Team 3D were entered in there. So one year removed from this event. <laughs> Fair play to them, I guess. <laughs> ah, fucking hell. So, um, quick one. So, WWE's Hall of Fame's coming up at this WrestleMania, right? I mean, in retrospect, yes, we've had it, but we're looking forward to seeing the footage next week. Hmm, indeed. Um... Do you think that Fred Durst deserves to be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. I think he does as well. You think about Hands the moment he's associated with and his performances. The, the I mean, rolling the... performance at that WrestleMania was fucking great. You know, they missed wears on guitar, but like, you know, it's what it is. <laughs> and and also just the fact that at the, oh, I think it was 19, wasn't it? Where there was a, well, then the WWE's favorite crack band, perf- favorite band performing Crack Addict. <laughs> It's great stuff, man. But you think about Taker as Biker Taker and all that sort of stuff, you know, I associate rolling, rolling, rolling with those moments, you know. I know it was Kid Rock some of the time as well, but... Yeah. Yeah, Ripping off Metallica, but that's fine. He seems like the ultimate, like, wrestling musician, Fred Durst, you know. Jim Johnston, still not in the Hall of Fame, but Fred Durst is. (laughs) Banner, isn't it? In fairness, 
I I think from a live live performance act, the a couple of times I've seen Limp Biscuit, they're outstanding. But for those moments, for my way, for WrestleMania 17, for the live stuff they've done, the the soundtrack to Biker Taker, yeah, definitely, certainly more deserving of some of the celebrities in there. Fucking a. Were you at um Finsbury Park for the Limp Biscuit shows? No, I've the only times I've seen them have been at Reading. So okay. even the festival show they've been good, but I can imagine actually like in a re- inside shows would be quite good. So they they had Wembley shows scheduled, and you know me and my mates had tickets and stuff because you know the early two thousands were all really really super cool. Um, but they had to cancel them because I think Wes, uh, not Wes, uh, Fred got sick or John Otto got sick or something. I don't remember what happened. But they did these free shows <laughs> in Finsbury Park. <laughs> I say free because I paid for my fucking tickets originally, but I got another ticket. And I'm like, wait, I, how is this free? I paid for this. <laughs> but whatever, it's okay. But what they did is they did like a, a full day festival in Finsbury Park. So you had like Biffy Clyro, had like The Darkness. You had like a whole bunch of really cool bands from that time period. I don't really like The Darkness, but whatever. But um, Limp Biscuit, I think played a two and a half hour set that evening. Love like, it. That that's your fucking money's worth, dude. And they were crazy. Like fr- they had the whole uh, where the front section's in its own circle, and then you had like the back section as well. You know what I mean? In the crowd. All I wish was Pizza that Park's I huge. was had as much talent as Sam Rivers has in his like his tiny little toe, because mm. Sam Rivers is exceptional. And again, as you said, it was a shame they they had Mike Smith there instead of Wes Borland for the crack addict performance. But <laughs> you know. I suppose it's all right. I did enjoy the fact, again, we'll get back to wrestling in a second, how Limp Biscuit, when they were doing, I, th- I think it might have been either when they were recording the um, the Unquestionable Truth or Gold Cobra, where Durst went, hey guys, we're looking for a guitarist. Why don't you send us your songs that we'll then own and we'll audition you. And they just took everyone's material. <laughs> <laughs> did they do that? I didn't know. Yeah. I love it. Dude, beyond significant, beyond like, what's the album after significant, significant album? Um, Chocolate Starfish. Yeah, beyond that, that album onwards, I was like, yeah, I'm good. Thanks, guys. <laughs> it's been fun. <laughs> I enjoyed the first two albums. Uh, but then all I encourage you to do after we record this pod, and you, dear listener, if you have any form of enjoyment of new metal from the early 2000s, just go and listen to the title track of Gold Cobra. <laughs> it's fucking I, I've hilarious. heard the song, obviously. I was in a tour oh, band. Yeah. Golden Cobra. <laughs> I like the music video for that song. It was good they had Wes back as well in his full goth gear. That was fucking funny. Uh, and also, that means that you know when I get back to work next week, I can plug into my headphones and listen to the Deftones. But I will also listen to some Big Dumb Face as well. That's always good fun. You're so cool. Deftones to me. I'm so cool. Look at me. I listen to cool bands. <laughs> Well, no, the the lyric is plug into my headphones, listen to the Deftones. <laughs> sure. Uh, lethal Lockdown matchup next of Aces and Eights. Versus, uh, blah, 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 blah. Aces and Eights of Devon, D-O-C, Garrett Bischoff, Cito, <laughs> Nux and Mr. Anderson, or as they're also known, Devon Dudley, <laughs> Gallows, Bischoff Inyo, Mike Knox and Mr. Canada. Kenley in the heli. Uh, versus Team TNA of Sting, who gets pinned a lot in this company. Eric Young, James Thorne, Magnus, and Samoa Joe. Well, Talk- outside of uh, Bischoff Cito, all of these are WWE rejects versus TNA. Oh my God. Top Just level. Noticed. Holy shit. Yeah, they really are. Wow. Hmm. Has every single one of these been WWE at some point? Other than Garrett Bischoff. 
who obviously <laughs> sorry. Yes. Well, Bishop Bishop was at last year's event because he was a referee, and I think um, oh, oh, where's it? I wrote it in my notes. I wrote it in my very very important sensible notes. Uh, a little factoid about Gareth Bischoff and where he was um, last year because Bischoff had a lockdown link. I love um, listening to you stall. It makes me giggle. <laughs> Please well, go. Keep going. You, you say that. important and I'm definitely not stalled. <laughs> I mean, That's I should have said so ask you to funny. stall because now I found it in my notes. So last year's lockdown, <laughs> Garrett Bischoff was in a feud with his with Eric Bischoff. They were both captains of the representative lethal lockdown teams where the loser would be banished from Impact Wrestling forever. And sadly, obviously, Bischoff won. Um, Wait, which but- one? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. So, they are linked. But um, Anson and Bischoff were unable to get the job <laughs> done. Hang on. What did you just say? Anderson. So, it was Ken. Bischoff versus Bischoff. And Bischoff won. But they were linked. What's about Ken Anderson? I'm confused. Sorry. Ken Anderson was one of the superstars chosen by Garrett Bischoff to be on his side who aided Garrett in beating Eric in last year's lockdown when it was Bischoff versus Bischoff. So when you had Eric Bischoff and Garrett Bischoff against each other, which one is the face? Garrett, because he was a referee and Bischoff was the dastardly heel. Brilliant. So... Eric trying to get his son over, and we're now a year later, and he's now in the aces and eights. And hasn't learned how to stomp yet. <sighs> oh, Lord. So, Todd Kennelly, Kennelly tells us the rules of the match. Um, so, in my previous experience, a lethal lockdown match is we have a cage match. We do war games, rumble-style entrances every couple of minutes. Until everyone's in the cage, but it's it's one cage, not two, because, you know, whatever. Um, and then when everyone's in the cage, the roof lowers, so it becomes hell in the cell, practically. And the roof has weapons on it. Correct. Right? Yep. <laughs> Tax, what are the rules of this match? Well, it's very much um, like a cage match. Only due to restrictions in the arena, we can't have the tippy top on it because it took too long to manually build the cage as it was. And instead of having the roof come down with the last entrant, we have Sting pulling double duty as the roof, bringing out two bins full of weapons. (laughs) Sting as the roof is my favourite gimmick ever. Ah, it's fucking great. Sting's fucking moonlighting as a roof of a cage. (laughs) That's some like the day to day shit. This man's been moonlighting <laughs> as a as as a ceiling <laughs> to a oh. cage. <laughs> so I, I hadn't realised this was an issue until it actually happened. So we'll just quickly run through the entrances and stuff. So Kennedy, Kennedy starts, then Magnus. Uh, these two wrestlers do strikes and then a chin lock. Countdown the clock appears. Magnus <laughs> when he does his strikes and slaps his leg when he punches people. Yep. Fucking hell, Magnus. Fucking hell, Magnus. Absolutely. Uh, countdown clock appears and then disappears and then appears again. And then Mike Knox comes out. And I'm like, okay, these wrestlers do strikes. Mike Knox does a sidewalk slam. Joe out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, adverts. there's adverts in every match. I haven't said them. Uh, Samoa Joe comes out. Joe and Magnus take over. Uh, it very much becomes at this point like watching a rumble. Lots of kick punch struggle in the corner. 
Hijo de Briscoe comes out and gets a you can't wrestle like he does every time he comes out. <sighs> Kick punch, struggle in the corner. Eric Young comes out, takes his shorts off on the stage to unveil his trunks. I'm like, okay, was there um, a pando from Bing? <laughs> Is all I'm going for that. If you are a parent <laughs> and you listen to this. <sighs> Bing's a moany little bastard, isn't he? And Pando needs to keep his fucking trousers on. Yeah, Seriously, what, what fucking ridiculous guardian is letting the panda take his fucking shorts off and run around in his pants? That is Eric Young, Pando. Kick punch, struggle in the corner. We are literally <laughs> just Bing wasting cries. time <laughs> until everyone is in the ring. Very quickly, quick sidebar. Um, which CBB's characters would you have in a lethal lockdown? Would Dougie be face or him? Oh, okay. Hang on. So, um, happy to start with. He's a crocodile. He's going to bite people's legs. It'd be awesome. Hmm. Who else? I think Peppy Nana could bore people to sleep. Nice. Good choice. Knock them out. You know what I mean? I'd probably go with the Tumbly Boos as well. Because there's three of them and they count as one, right? Ro- Rolly's Eric Young. <laughs> so it's Okay. <laughs> Rolly's too much of a wild card, I think. I think Dougie maybe. No, what? What's the, what's the um? Nandy might be the other time. We should got headphones on. What's the, what's the giant character in Dougie that likes to do working out and stuff? Oh, Henny. Henny. Think of yeah. the size difference. <laughs> Literally, El Gigante. <laughs> have you got some picks? I mean, I I probably have to go for the heel team. But even though I only know the baby faces, so I probably just chuck the octonauts in there as aces and eights. <laughs> Captain Aww. Barnacles is the leader. He they're, unveils himself. They're way too nice to be aces and eights, dude. I'm trying um, to think if you can go some I mean, heels. Mr. Tumble would turn heel and be like sad <sighs> doink the clown. If I've ever seen a future paedophile, Mr. Tumble is it. <laughs> uh, <Go>. Hello! <laughs> He may as well be going, now then, now then. <laughs> Do you want me to fix that for you? Fuck it out. Oh, brilliant. And uh, yeah, that's just a heel. They all, they all be up, Mr. Tumble. <laughs> Everyone cheers. <laughs> yeah. and, and those baddie pirates on a swashbuckle or whatever it's called. Yeah, but anyway, sure, let's sure. move back to wrestling because rather than this fantasy booking. <laughs> Are you sure? I could do this all night. This is fun. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> So, Devon now, you know, our, our champion Television of champ. the Aces and Eights, that's the one. Uh, it's a kick and a punch and a struggle in the corner. Yeah. <laughs> James Storm comes out. At least he does, like, you know, an inverted long blower to Nox and a super kick. His finish. And I'm like, thank you, James Storm, putting some effort in. Kick, punch, struggle in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> Gallows comes out looking way too serious for my liking. What's happened to Gallows? He, he, he got told, Gallows, you've got to go and kick punk struggle in the corner. He's like, I can't grab people's balls with that. Mate, I think someone's had a word because he's not doing his like disasterly evil villainy laugh stuff. He's just looking like big, scary, you know, generic wrestler. They've probably gone out and gone. Nux is really shitting the bed as the big bad guy. You've got to go out and be a big bad guy. Oh, right. And then, or he's got to do this. Right, Gallows, you need to go out there and tell Mike Knox he's going to take the pinfall. What? I thought I thought Garrett was going to take it. No, no, no. No, we're going to change the mind because it's Bischoff's kid. You need to go and tell Mike Knox 
he's going to lose the match. <laughs> <laughs> so Aces and Eights finally show some sort of advantage by gloating like they all have the other team down. Finally, because they, they never really do that in this match. You know what I mean? It's all just like back and forth, struggle in the corner, kick punch. Until the last person comes out. The, the stinger. <laughs> the Tag team partner of the wall. <laughs> so Sting walks out with his two rubbish bins full of wrestling weapons, you know, canes and chairs and all these sorts of fun things. Cookie Tony. sheet, kendo stick. Exactly. So now everyone is in the ring. And I'm like, the roof's meant to lower, right? Uh, nope. <laughs> Don't be silly. They've raised the roof. <laughs> oh, it's crazy. It must be um, just budget cuts almost. You know what I mean? Like the whole mechanism of having that lower from the roof. We can do it in Orlando. It's it's easy. It's a small arena. But in this big fucking arena, like the, uh, I wonder if they have a lighting rig. Like WWE have a lighting rig. I'm not no idea, but I I think mm. it's purely going to be down to either technical issues, as in they can't get the tech or the kit in there, or because they only had it built for when they had six sides of steel. Because remember that since oh, they yeah. turned back to the four sided ring, they probably didn't have the mechan the mechanics to actually just put that hexagonal lid on the top of it. Yeah, it's um, it's it not as good, is it? <laughs> feels very underwhelming when the finale of the match is Sting walks out with a couple of bins. <laughs> I mean, what else are they going to do? We've promised you a lethal lockdown. How are we going to get it? Just get Sting to carry out the weapons. And that's probably why Gallows has been like, there's no roof? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> ah, fucking hell. So, remember how the match was going earlier with the whole kick punch, you know, struggle in the corner thing? Well, uh, probably time for an advert. <laughs> there's that. Add in a few weapons, and uh, the match is exactly the same. Uh, the faces get the advantage, and they beat up the aces and eights, and just uh, playing with them, basically. You know, going to the crowd and going, shall we do it again? And then they hit them again with the weapon. It's, it's really great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Ace who could possibly, gone. after all, they're in full control of this match, beating the shit out of everyone with weapons, the Ace and Eights are dead. Mm. So what can possibly, in the world of professional wrestling, where you've been tonked to shit with a steel chair, what could possibly turn the tides for you? Oh, that's right. A double Russo nut shot. And then all of a sudden, Ace and Eights stand up after this epic beatdown and go, fine now, won't we? We've just... Punched yep. D.Y. in the balls. Yep. And All had he not taken his shorts off, no one had Pando not taken his shorts off, he wouldn't have felt that nut shot. Fucking hell, mate. It eventually builds to a Tower of Doom spot. I'm like, it's it's quite cool in that they've got two people at the bottom with Samoa Joe, and then two people above them, then <laughs> poor Bishop Sito at the top of it, who takes a hell of a bump off the top of the cage, basically. But they do it quite safely, you've got to say. Really, really well executed. Like, holding Bishop beautifully in position didn't let go didn't treat him like shit well protected yeah one of the more safe terror of doom spots i've seen in a very long time usually it's the t the people in the middle that get the worst of it i find because they kind of ended up buckling because they're concentrating on not killing the people at the top of the tower the people at the bottom are obviously just taking a back bump like i'd much rather be at the top or the bottom of that tower than the middle always the bottom yeah always yeah. the <laughs> bottom that's what brooks said so uh, <laughs> 
Rush, rush to this again. Too easy now. It's wrestling. That's like, what she so, said. So many innuendos. That's what she said. Uh, rush to a finish, like Brooke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you way up top. Uh, Sting says, "No, no, 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 no. Go to the top of the cage, young one." And Showtime complies. Go to the top of the cage. Showtime Eric Young hits an elbow drop off the top of the cage to Mike Knox for the one, two, three. Yep, that's the finish. So the winner is Team TNA. The job squad have done their jobs again, Tax. Well, surely, as this stands, that's the end of it. That has to be the end. We saw on an episode of Impact when we had another like little bit of a beatdown, the TNA roster stood tall. And now, in a lethal lockdown, without Roof, oh no, he was, he was on the other team, um, We've had a victory, a decisive beatdown and destruction of the Ace and Eights. So we're out of here. It's done. Ace and Eights have been foiled by TNA. We've had every possible combination. They're done. Great. Now we can focus on our main event and look at a fan poll. Yep. So uh, there's a little A fan bit on here. a poll match. <laughs> <laughs> Russo. Russo. There is a little bit here I want to talk about post-match. Where the um, faces are celebrating, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and they cut to the commentary position, and Taz starts to talk, and he basically accidentally compliments Eric Young's finish with the elbow drop, and then tries to keep talking to find a way out of complimenting him, and he can't do it. It's so funny. It's like twenty seconds of him going, "Yeah, Eric Young jumped off the top of the cage. What a crazy spot!" and uh, He's an idiot for doing it and winning the match because he won and he's terrible. <laughs> like, what? And Tanae has to jump in to save Taz from this loop he's got himself stuck suck in. Oh, man. It made me laugh so much. It was great. At least it wasn't Todd Kennelly trying to explain it. Well, in the same segment, Taz gets annoyed and kind of shoves Todd a little bit. And I'm like, yeah, punch him. Do it. Kill him. <laughs> Todd then dips back in again and said, I told you about this and puts him <laughs> back again. It was lovely. So we get the results of the TNA poll from earlier. Who will win the world title match? Oh dear. Hardy winning the match at 51% to oh. Bully Ray at 49. It's it's almost like one of our polls. Indeed, which we'll have to unveil at the end of the pod, even though we said we would do it at the beginning, right? <laughs> oh, well. Yeah, because if you want to listen to two hours of an impact tna wrestling uh, podcast you'll stick with us till the end to find out we're going to be covering some good content yeah, exactly so jeff and bully and i guess hogan video package up next um again it's well put together but it's just not the level of wwe's editing team it, it's it tells the story it does the job it's based around interviews with jeff and Bubba and a few match highlights thrown in and lots of hulk, hulk hogan like lots of hulk hogan jeff but goes Oh, Go going. I you know because you're going to say exactly what I was going to be annoyed by. Jeff finishes it with the quote that we've heard a couple of snippets of a couple of times, but we get the full thing here. Jeff goes, "This may be the best cage match professional wrestling has ever witnessed." Because professional wrestling has been in a coma for a hundred years and hasn't seen <laughs> any content. <laughs> yeah, because you know cage matches Pah, never seen a good one of those what's the point i mean <laughs> i've just seen a great one with ruth coming in with some weapons <laughs> so we get the title and match graphics 
That belt is ugly. Agreed. The TNA World Heavyweight... Oh, time for our main event of the series and evening. TNA World Heavyweight Championship Steel Cage Match of Jeff Hardy, our current champion, versus Bully Ray. Hang on a minute. We're doing an Aces and Eights podcast. Ace and Eights have just lost. Yeah, so they're done. Why are we bother- why are we bothering covering this main event? <laughs> Bubba comes out. He's wearing a hardcore 5150 vest, black shorts with biker kind of sign- <laughs> biker logos on his shorts. I'm like, hmm, I wonder where this is going. He's got a 90s Grebo <clears throat> biker chain <laughs> on his side <laughs> and a Yankees beanie. He comes out, stares down the camera, full heel, salutes the crowd and goes, let's rock and roll, let's rock and roll, and gets in the cage. He's uh, telegraphing this little ending, isn't he? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I mean, there's foreshadowing and there's giving clues. And there's this. Yeah. Jeff out, singing along to his own crappy music as per usual. No one else knows the words. No, absolutely not. In his eyes on his eyes face paint, white contact lenses, ugly duo of belts and typical ring gear because, you know, why put extra effort in for a big pay-per-view? Hardy is slapping hands with the fans and someone throws a tentacle at Jeff. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you heard me. Someone threw a tentacle at him, Tax. What, what the fuck? Who throws a tentacle? <laughs> Who throws a tentacle indeed? Spot of the night. It was awesome. <laughs> so... As Jeff gets to the cage after he's done his singing and running around slapping hands at people, Barbara is standing at the entrance of the cage to block Jeff off to get a nice camera shot for some future video packages. To be fair, very nice bit of work here. Looks really, really cool. Yep, agreed. Nothing else to add. I'm just cool. looking forward to getting to this the greatest cage match oh. professional wrestling's ever seen. <laughs> I'll leave you some space to add bits if you'd like to. You don't have to, it's okay. I've got quite a bit to go through with this match because, you know, there's there's stuff to talk about, for sure. <laughs> Borash with the Michael Buffer-esque introductions. I say Michael Buffer-esque. Not quite the same. <laughs> to the millions watching at home. Yeah, all right, JB. We know that's <laughs> sure. a lie. Yeah, sure me. Unless they've all got free Impact Plus subscriptions. <laughs> Uh, he announces referee Earl Hebner and he gets booed. I'm like, ah, a tradition upheld. I love it. So good. <laughs> uh, the bell rings. The lads have a bit of the lads. The lads have a bit of a standoff. They lock up, headlock, shoulder block. Off we go. This is wrestling. Uh, really fun start to the match. Okay. Uh, this is just my opinion. I'm intrigued to see how you felt about it. Both going for fast pinfalls, kicking out a one couple of high spots using the cage i thought they utilized the cage really really well throughout this match it didn't feel like just a regular match that happened to have a cage you know it was certainly more structured than but then considering the other cage matches we've seen this evening where it's been absolute dross yeah the cage may may as well have not been there for most of it and i think the fact they've worked together on so many matches they know how they want to work their style their strengths, their weaknesses, and what they can do that's a little bit different. And obviously, Jeff's going to be full of innovation for what he wants to do off that cage. So it does add to it in a bit. And obviously, in comparison to what we've seen for the whole evening, probably best start of a match we'd seen. Yeah, absolutely. Couple of finishes get reversed until Jeff hits the twist of fate. 
and out come the Aces and Eights young boys. Bischoff Sito and Hijildal... <laughs> What's the other one called? <laughs> Bischoff. Thank you, Bischoff. That's so funny. Uh, climb the cage in a matter of seconds. Because, you know, no one can get in a steel cage match. And fight with at least, Hardy while Bob At least they were down. quick. At least yeah. they were quick to get in. I mean, yeah, okay, yeah. So Bubba's down. They fight with Hardy. Bubba eventually jumps up, and Hardy and Bubba team up to beat up the Aces and Ace young boys. And we're back to Jeff and Bubba once they've evicted them from the cage. Jeff, open the cage! <laughs> yeah, there's some, some fun, fun dramatics, I would say. I mean, what happens to the Seto brothers after this? Because they got ejected from the cage... Never to be seen again. Back into that TNA vortex. They just went into the yeah. black hole of the entrance ramp. Albrook <laughs> <more>. Hogan. <laughs> <laughs> the black hole. Yeah, I love it. A uh, couple of high spots. Avalanche powerbomb by Bubba off the tippity top rope. Oh my fucking God, that must hurt. Yowzers. I yeah. mean, when... That was one of those moments in this pay-per-view. We haven't had many in this whole TNA run other than Kenny King earlier, although that was more funny than, oh dear. That was a yeah. wincy moment, that avalanche powerbomb. Absolutely, dude. Out come the Hogans, Brooke and Hulk, to have a closer look at the match. Wait, where's Linda? <laughs> <laughs> Sweet zombie Linda. Okay. Oh, no, no, I saw about Linda Hogan, the one who's <laughs> swimming her Scrooge McDuck no, I know. money pool. <laughs> They've divorced by this point, I think, because Hogan Exactly, that's why she's got all the money. Yeah. So, which brings out, so Hogan's doing his whole, like, you know, oh, you've got to get up, Bubba, you've got to, a bully, whatever. That's what Brooke uh, says. (laughs) (laughs) Got to get it up, Bubba. (laughs) I know you're old. I know you're 73 and I'm 21. (laughs) Which brings out the rest of the aces and eights. Barbara and Jeff go back, back to back to fight these guys off. They climb over the cage and Devon is face to face with Bubba. Devon's on the top rope. Barbara's going back to back with Jeff in the middle of the ring. The Aces and Eights surround them. Here, Jeff, have this chain. (laughs) (laughs) Bubba points... Sorry. Devon hands Bubba a hammer out wait, of his trousers. Wait, wait, no. <laughs> you say he hands him a hammer out of his trousers. Devon, what's does only the most provocative, like, nut scratch and struggles to get said like inanimate object. To get a hammer out of his pocket. <laughs> it makes Anthony Gogo struggling with his cufflink to punch Cody on Dynamite this week look like mere milliseconds. <laughs> Devon stood there for five minutes. What I thought was adjusting his cock. <laughs> You're like, hey, Bubba, look what I've got inside. <laughs> Pulling out the reveal. hammer, going, all right, Brooke. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hammered you. Wee. But yeah, pulls out a hammer and tosses his hammer down to Bully Ray. Brooke's, Brooke's looking at that going, that's my job. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's where Leviathan went. I wondered where that was earlier. Stop stealing my spots, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> Bubba points the hammer at the Hogans after taking it from Devon. Oh, no! <laughs> hang on. Jeff. Hang on. Jeff, Jeff's thick as shit and hasn't turned around going, <laughs> hang on, why is everyone booing? We're just standing back to back. <laughs> Jeff has his back to Bubba still, who has now turned around to look at Jeff with a hammer in hand. 
surrounded by aces and eights in the cage. Baba smashes the rubber hammer into Jeff's back. One, two, and new TNA, not impact, world heavyweight champion, Bully Ray. The heel turn has been completed. But who's the leader? (laughs) Yeah. It's, uh, there's issues. But I thought the way the finish was done was good. Yes, I the 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 big reveal, the fact you had the early the Bischoff and Briscoe boys run down, although they didn't return for this post match celebration, so they were obviously fucked. Um, I liked how they did it. I liked the face off. I liked the fact they'd already fought off two of the Ace and Eights. I liked the fact it looked like they were just going to have a schmozzy finish, and then the hammer. But the fact is that they are standing back to back and Bully's shouting at the Hogans and Jeff's standing there going, yeah, man, <laughs> you, you, you tell it to them. You tell those Ace and Eights Hogans. Doesn't fucking turn around and yeah. then gets walloped in the back of the head by, by the hammer. But, you know, got a good reaction from the crowd. Certainly did, yeah. So uh, just to uh, polish this off, that's what Brooke said. Um, <laughs> Brooke and Hogan, Brooke and Hulk, I should say, because they're both Hogan's, do shocked acting on the outside. (laughs) Bubba cuts a promo through the cage to Brooke, and I genuinely, like, 100% fell out my chair laughing at how fucking funny it was. Bubba climbing the ropes, like, face-to-face with Brooke and Hogan, I'm just going to say Brooke and Hogan, fuck it, through the cage, right? He goes... You are nothing. You are nothing to me. You are nothing. You stupid. <laughs> Bubba turns his attention to Hulk. Ah, uh, who obviously has to get his attention moment in the spotlight here. Bubba continues. You get out of my face, you old bastard. <laughs> Do something. Do something, you old piece of crap. Ah, uh, it's a great promo, man. The vitriol in his voice as he's going. You stupid. <laughs> to Brooke well funny uh yeah and like the the well then he get then he gets on the mic and does a proper promo after lots of clapping and hugging hey it's great stuff like after he cut this promo i was like oh you would you had fire at your fingertips and you stopped talking what are you doing but it's explained when aces and eights now go over to the hogans through the cage and they're like relentlessly mocking them gallows on fire yeah gallows (laughs) is oh he's banter mate but Baba grabs the mic, picks it up and goes, Hey, Devon, let that stupid bitch cry. <laughs> I'm like, fucking hell, okay. Drop the hammer, mate. Yeah, fucking hell. Oh, brilliant. Hogan, I used you. And Brooke, I screwed you. <laughs> Everyone so else has. great. And he finishes it off by going, but most of all, I fooled every single one of you while pointing at the crowd. Texas does a Texas and the ring is showered with rubbish, mainly kind of plastic looking beer bottles. Thrown by seven plants from different angles around the ring. I was going to say blatantly plants, right? They're trying to recreate Bash at the Beach, but yeah. And And there you have it. That you, the, the line you've said there is genuinely my three-month con of why we've done this show. So, what you have witnessed 
genuinely in the last 10 episodes is the the low budget recreation of the nwo and that my friend is the reason why i picked ace and eight because of all the fake bischoff similarities trying to recreate why he did in wcw with no success whatsoever yeah fucking a dude yeah, it's it's yeah it's got a lot of the same aspirations but it's just done so poorly it's like they started at the end of the nwo rather than the beginning Exactly. Had this been the hot angle at the beginning of Ace and Eights, it could have had traction. Yeah, but, absolutely. If this is how you but, start it. You know, you have, let's say, two or three mask guys cause a bit of shit. You have Jeff and, you know, uh, Bubba become these like top faces of the company, winning these matches and building and getting these great victories and all this sort of shit. You know what I mean? Even do the wedding angle and have like these masked dudes come and interrupt it once, you know? And then you do this turn, and then you lead to like the formation of the group, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. It could have been all right, but they just did it the wrong way around. It felt like, yeah. And I think, I mean, obviously, and and we go home with pictures of Bully Ray celebrating with Ace and Eight, including pointing Taz going and Taz on commentary like he was in on it all along. And then we are out of the pay per view with a ring showered in potentially planted, definitely planted plastic cups, <laughs> and essentially. What an attempt at recreating Bash at the Beach and the NWO with shitter wrestlers, shitter storylines, shitter cruiserweights, less audience, less viewership, less buy rate, but still with Bischoff and Hogan at the helm. Yep. I mean, that's it. So this, the effect of this storyline is obviously to try and get more eyes on TNA, obviously. Do you want to know what the impact ratings were after this big unveil? <laughs> Was it a 1.1? <laughs> ah, you know your TNA, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> so I've got the next, like, what have I got? Four, five, I've got the 10 weeks after this. Okay. So I'll just read the numbers. So the next week does a 1.1. So this angle did absolutely fuck all change. Uh, remember, we started higher. We started at like 1.4 10 weeks ago. They've gone down to 1.1 already. Okay, next week, 1.1. Week after that, 1.0. Week after that, back up to a 1.1. <laughs> then the weekend after that, 0.9. We then stick around at a 1.0 for a couple of weeks, back down to a 0.9, then to a 0.8. Wow. Would you like to know the state of TNA after this show? Out of interest, or are why, you not overly Why fast? not? Give us a little roundup. Like, if it's going to take half an hour, then fuck that. But a few minutes of what happens, I'm interested, so I guess. Just to, show, just to show what happens next. So, obviously, after this, on the next Impact, Bully explains the nine-month con, including like a series of videos that let aired on the show explaining the nine months. Ace and Eights actually then became quite difficult to beat and became quite quite good. Would you believe it? Bobby Roode and Antivax continued their feud with uh, Chavo and Hernandez. Um, and then, after all that, um, Gunner and James Storm won the tag belts. So, great for that. Robbie E found a new tag buddy, well, tag buddies in Jesse Goddard and Joey Ryan, who then all went on to lose in a three-on-one handicap to Big Rob. Um, TNA Jesus, knockout okay. executive Brooke Hogan fired Taryn Terrell as a referee, but then instantly reinstated her as a wrestler, leading to the Slammiversary feud, the last knockout standing. 
Velvet Sky's next challenger is Mickey James. Mickey James the Hill won the belt. Where and was also... Mickey James? I would love to have seen Mickey James over the last 10 weeks. Yeah, she became number one contender on the 18th of April by beating Brooke Tessmacher. Please, okay. Um, and then, as we mentioned earlier, X Division rules, triple threat, £230. And. Bro, where was AJ Styles in these 10 weeks? Where was Matt Morgan over these 10 weeks? Where was the storytelling? <laughs> like, what, what I'll say. At least <sighs> this, because obviously they've gone to four pay per views. Mm-hmm. At least they, all of their stories they had, or the current version of a storyline, all of them were tied up here, other than Matt Morgan kicking Jeff Hardy in the face, which is irrelevant now because Bully Ray's the champion. Yeah, to an extent, I guess. Yeah, the Robbie E stuff kind of is wrapped up, but then you say they kind of continue it, and you know the uh, Team TNA win, but then. Aces and Nates take over in the main as well because you get the unveil of Baba. Well, that is the end of that story, I guess. You know, you don't want to yeah. just end a faction at the end of their high point <laughs> or whatever, you know. It's a uh... quick last bit of trivia before we get out of here and announce what we're doing next week. Who beats Bubba for the belt? Uh, was it Ares? Sabin. Oh, okay. So it was that. Yeah, when they panicked, they were like, please don't leave. Yeah, pretty much. Um, mm. And just so you know, so how did Ace and Eight fare from here? Well, Bully, Brooke, uh, well, sorry, Brooke Tessmacher joins at a later date. Garrett Bischoff, Nux, and Taz stick around to the end. Devon was forced out in August of 2013 after he lost the f- to the main event Mafia because they were brought back to get rid of Ace and Eights, and he had to leave TNA. Delo was demoted to a prospect in May after losing an I quit match to Kurt Angle, so they did have the match. Oh, he wrestled. Bloody hell, okay. Yeah. And then he left the company after that. Um, Gallows left the company because <laughs> he made a bid to be vice president and lost to Ken Anderson so he left the company stress um, he left there Ivelisse was made an honorary member for one night only when they did a the World Cup of Wrestling uh, <laughs> um, <clears throat> Ken Anderson left the stable um, after questioning Bully Ray's decisions and turning face and losing lots and then he got fired Tito Ortiz was named the second sergeant in arms in August of 2013. He lasted for uh, a week and a half till Bellator pulled him out, because Bellator's on after this, um, and <laughs> made him wrestle. Uh, Wes Briscoe was kicked out in September because he was shit. And um, Lever Bates was actually originally in Ace and Eights in 2012 in a one-time appearance, and she actually helped abduct Sting and Hogan. Jesus Christ. There you go. So, by the sounds of it, Aces and Eights went on to feud with Aces and Eights. Yep. <laughs> and um, then they well, did the funeral in what November, September, something like that. November 2013, after the main event Mafia had come back, they basically beat Devon in August. There was two months left, and then that was it. Bloody Gone. hell, man! I mean, yeah, it, probably good to job, end though. it when it needed to. You know, like wow, it did a really bad job. Created lost, a lost, new main event star for their company that lost them viewership. Fourth best wrestler in the PWI, mate. 2013. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm, I was thinking back to the 10 weeks and how do you round it up? Like when we're talking WCW that I've got like a real passion for that moment and that company and because we'd never really gone into depth to it, but we knew about it and things like that. And so there was loads to talk about and find out. And I kind of went into this the similar kind of attitude in that I knew about the Aces and Eights. I remember the, the, the this pay-per-view. I definitely watched it the first time live. Um but I didn't know the story leading into it at all. And so, as you say, there are lots of similarities to WCW stuff. The thing with WCW run with the NWO is that it had lots of funny, like 
hilariously bad moments. But there was always something that was either like a, an amazing match, like a Rey Mysterio or an Eddie Guerrero or whatever, like in their prime. Or it always had the the best story plots, you know? Like the bit where Nash and Hall come into the crowd for the first time. The bit where they, they, they throw Bischoff off the stage, all this sort of shit, you know? And then we had the ridiculous stuff, like the Lord of the Ring ring and all this sort of bollocks, you know? This TNA series, it has Hulk Hogan. It has run-ins. It has bad influence making prats themselves occasionally. And Robbie E is pleasantly silly. I can't think of anything that I feel passionate about with this series, like at all. It's really difficult. I I think it all comes down to that final moment in Bully Ray becoming the top heel in the company because they needed to create a new top level heel they not had before. So I think from a storyline standpoint, in an attempt to create a new heel to give them a power power and grip, the the idea of putting someone in that position, but and, and someone who hadn't been there before, who hadn't had their heavyweight talks. Obviously, Ken Anson had already been there. Sting and Angle had already been running, running around the main event mafia. They weren't ever going to give it to Daniels because Hogan is a short person racist as well. And it's just... I wanted to do this to compare it because the Asinates, I always thought, was literally just ripping off everything, as you rightly said earlier, that the NWO did just in reverse... And I always wondered, looking back at it, had Bully Ray been announced at the beginning, whether or not it would have had the same effect? Because Hogan's thought process would have been, I've given him the rubbers, the good guy, woken him into my family, and because he's now turned against me, that's why he's the main event star. I still think he would have had the same reaction. And obviously, as you said, they dropped a rating, but then again, we've watched the product for the last 10 weeks. It's shit. I just, you know... It was good to go back to it. I like the idea of factions. I've always liked factions. You've got to like factions if you like AEW. But yeah, to me, it was just to see the low budget level of trying to recreate the NWO like 15 years later. Sure, man. It's um, I think the the thing I really struggled with this show, um, aside from just it, it's not the kind of wrestling I want to watch week to week, is that. I just couldn't find anything to kind of like to latch onto that would make me want to come back, you know, like even the main event storyline, it's, it's, um, it, there's a moment on pay-per-view that was quite well done, but in the 10 weeks leading up to it, there's like, there's nothing I was like, Oh, I wonder how this will go. Do you understand? We've watched, we've watched house shows. We've watched house shows until we've got a turn at the end of the main event. Yeah, I and just don't see I, how a TV show in general can survive like that, you know? And it didn't. Yeah. That's the thing. Maybe that's but the big problem. hopefully, hopefully. So I think, you know, I, I know we sort of briefly messaged about this. I don't think we've got a show next week because you're going to be very, very, very busy with WrestleMania week. And then the following week, we're going to do what every podcast does, but we do it every year anyway. We're going to be reviewing WrestleMania 37. Yeah, we're not going to go through it like we go through every other show by match by match because <laughs> it's two nights of WrestleMania. I think we're just going to have a general chat about wrestling and WWE and the state of it and, you know, talk about the bits we enjoyed from WrestleMania and such. It's like a nice, relaxed 
casual podcast i think would be sensible right yeah but then as voted by you on our twitter poll at world of rest pod thank you for all of those who got involved especially to the guys who used to share the discord channel at rest talk to help us not have another tie on one of our polls yeah uh, chipped in. do you want to announce what we're going to be covering for our next series okay so do we want to go over the choices quickly because we can see what people decide for like you know historical purposes or something or do we just want to announce it i will just announce it go back to our twitter poll in like 2021 and see what we put i'll probably forget to remove the pinned tweet for another two years <laughs> Uh, so you sent me a message with all the episodes in as well so let's fucking announce the whole thing go on so we are gonna be doing the daniel bryan rise to fame are we calling it the rise to the title the the build to the title we've got to think of a name for it really daniel bryan's quest for greatness (laughs) (laughs) that's a good starter i think we could create something better like you know we had fingering of doom and you know build the nwo whatever we called it you know we will be starting on the 26th of january 2014 at that royal rumble not only the one where the fans lost their fucking mind blue tista returned and cm punk got concussed by his best mate kofi kingston that led to the events that transpired over the next sort of 12 weeks we go through to february where we have elimination chamber I think in this run, we've also got the really good episode of Raw where John Cena teases joining the authority, which is going to be fucking brilliant. Mm. And then we go all the way to the grandest stage. And this is annoying me. I'm glad they haven't said it so far on TV this year. The grandest stage of the mall. No, it's not a shopping mall, lads. It's the grandest stage of them all. WrestleMania 30, New Orleans. Can Daniel Bryan beat Triple H. Can he get to the main event? What happens? What happens along the way to that Mania 30? Thank you for voting, everyone. I can't wait to watch Daniel Bryan wrestle because even Daniel Bryan being in a ring is going to be better than the last 10 episodes of this shit I put us through. Fucking A, dude. You know the thing I'm most looking forward to with this 13-part series? Yes, we're doing an extra three bonus weeks. Lovely listener. Unlucky for some. (laughs) I was thinking that. (laughs) The thing I'm most looking forward to about this series is not just the Daniel Bryan stuff, because we know that's going to be good. And we know there's some really controversial stuff to talk about with the the authority and everything else that surrounds it and the the booking of the whole situation. Is what other stuff is on these shows? We don't... We get the end of the streak well <laughs> i didn't want to spoil that immediately <laughs> but okay <laughs> yeah we get uh taker and brock building into wrestlemania 30 but i'm wondering what other kind of mid card weird tag team bits because 2014 i don't remember vividly what else was on the shows i can't think of much beyond brock taker and obviously the triple threat main event and stuff the only thing i know we get on our way here we don't get a mania we get an amazing six-man feud between two very exciting factions oh we do get that as well don't oh this is gonna be fun dude it's gonna be some really good wrestling that's Gosh. right it's main event mafia <laughs> versus Ace and <laughs> so uh yeah i'm actually really looking forward to doing something a bit more modern because we've done a lot of old school pro wrestling stuff i mean and in fairness so... this is only one year <sighs> it's so weird to think about it like that it fucking is isn't it yeah holy shit it feels like tna was 20 years behind so that's it uh listener remember we will not be here next week there will not be a new episode but if you have just joined us for this ace and eights run episode 10 
make sure you go back and check our archive, worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. If you want to interact with us, let us know your thoughts, or alternatively, book your ultimate CBB's heel faction and <laughs> face faction. Find us on Twitter, best place to find us, at World of Rest Pod. And also, we've got a Facebook page, worldofwrestlingpodcast.com. Fucking hell, what's your socials, buddy? I'm at the Tex Williams on Twitter and Facebook. Again, wrestling doesn't happen, so I don't really post much, but uh, follow the pod and also see Rich's excellent work on WrestleTalk. Yeah, do that. Uh, you can follow me at FanboyRich on the old Twitter machine. And um, to finish off this series, I found a beautiful thing when I was on Impact Plus. I realized that I'd deleted all my cookies and all that sort of stuff in my browser. So it logged me Hang on, me she out. was with Robbie E. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Google Chrome, my browser of choice, logged me out of Impact Plus. And I went, okay, well, let's just quickly find Lockdown 2013. I'll log in and I'll watch the show. If you go and find Lockdown 2013, do you know what the thumbnail of this show is? Is it Christy Hemi's crotch? <laughs> It's Bully Ray standing with the world belt surrounded by aces and eights. <laughs> You're like, fucking TNA, dude. I think there's only one way we have to finish this podcast. TNA, 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 TNA. 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 The better the wrestlers will perform for you tonight. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg. We're tough. We can take it, baby. You got a penetrate in the back, in the back, baby. Oh, I can see what you talk. Wait just a minute. So, I wasn't going to leave this series without doing another Brooke Hogan song, was I? All I'll say. Don't ask me what I was thinking. Some say love and friends, they don't mix, but I can't help the way that I feel. Hey, bro! Seeing you next day. Hey, bro! Seeing you next day. Oh. I know you and me, it seems weird, but I think we should consider it. Hey, bro! Seeing you make the day. Hey, bro! Seeing you next day. Oh! Your smile is like candy, so sweet and sincere. Your style is so sexy. I love when you're near. Our vibe is like heaven. You and I are like wind. So cool, it's refreshing. Where do we begin? Me and you would be like Christmas Day, yeah. Cause when you smile, you shine like the month of May, yeah. But there's no rush, we'll take our time, okay? But I had to let you know, just in case it didn't show. Some say love is friends that they miss, but I can't help the way that I feel. Hey, bro! See you next day. Hey, bro! See you next day. Hey, bro! See you next day. I ain't felt this.
away in a minute You and me, girl, are you with it? Yeah, because I only got eyes for you Cause I know that I'd ride for you I know you won't suffer With me as your man I promise to show you The love that can be Some say love friends that don't mix But I can have the way that I feel Hey!